Welcome back to the Hack Attack Podcast. As always, I'm your host, a choir of 2,000 young fathers, Jay. And known as always is my co-host, Death, the Destroyer of Worlds, Z. How are you doing today, Z? I'm doing pretty good. I'm so proud. You became Death, Destroyer of Worlds. Thanks. Yeah. You know, it took a while. You know, it's a long road, but here I am. Here I am. So it's here, fellas. Listeners. Listener. I don't know how the analytics work. The, the motion picture event of... All time, maybe. Of all, uh, at least post-COVID. Oh, yeah. The biggest motion picture event post-COVID. Barbieheimer. Barbenheimer? How do you say it? They're both doing crazy, dude. But unfortunately, they are not going to like... Well, I mean, it's whatever. I think they're the fourth... It's the fourth biggest box office weekend of all time. That's pretty good. What are the other ones? Do you know? I think number one is still... Um, Endgame? I think it's just Endgame. Like, Endgame alone. I don't even know if whatever else was playing that weekend had really even mattered. A chance. I think, yeah, I think Endgame itself... Because that was insane. That, that made like almost half a million on its own. Half or a not billion. Quite. Half a billion, I meant. Yeah, half a million, half a million, million <laughs> disastrous. <laughs> we only made $500,000? But, um... Oh, no. Yeah, Barbie's surpassing like 155, I think, for the weekend. Jesus. Um, And no one, no one, Oppenheimer's passing 80, which is not insane for some of the other movies we've talked about this year, right? But for an R-rated movie. But for an R-rated movie, um... It beats the it beat the projections, and also Oppenheimer uh, was only like a hundred million total, like yeah. cost wise, or at least uh, budget. Uh, you know, they built a whole ass bomb, things, but yeah, for which l- just is crazy because it's a three hour long Nolan movie. It's insane, right? Yeah, like, there's nothing. It's eleven miles of IMAX film, and it's like quick hundred mil. There's nothing even vaguely like cheap about it, of course. Yeah, but because everyone will, he can get a million A list actors to all be in his movie for, for pennies, bucks just <laughs> for the hell of it for a for a. A paid lunch. That's insane. It's insane. I didn't know. I didn't really like. We talked about it last week. You and I did off the show, <clears throat> and we were like, "Man, this like you watch the trailer and like every man on screen is like <laughs> someone you've heard of." Oh yeah. And then there's a couple even you didn't know. Uh, surprise there, one. So. There was one that I knew that you didn't know before you mm-hmm. went, and then there was one that completely surprised us. Uh-huh. Um. So you think it'll beat Joker, and we will never have to hear that Joker is the highest, oh, the highest rated, highest oh. grossing R-rated film of all time. Doubtful. Because Joker's got the superhero juice at a oh, time when the superhero stuff was even bigger. And it's got the Joker juice as well. Which, I don't know how much. <laughs> I don't think that's really much. It's like, a, it's like you know, with the Snyder fans and stuff. Yeah. It's like, you guys realize that there's just not that many of you relatively to carry. I don't think, you know, I don't even like that movie very much, but I, I don't actually think that, ever, that like a significant portion of people who went to see it are like weird Joker people. <laughs> no, no. They exist. They're out there, but. They're out there. Very crafty, but maybe it would. I don't. I don't freaking know. It's his biggest opening since um, any of any of the Batman movies, which is only a couple movies, but still. Yeah. Or th- well, technically, it's his biggest opening ever outside of the Batman movies. But obviously, that's you know the his star his star really rose with the Batman movies. Obviously, yeah. solid. Yeah. But um, you know, so let's start with Oppenheimer then, Jack. Yeah. So we didn't. We weren't able to do the double feature in the same day. Not quite. It didn't quite shake out because. It's not very feasible if you really. It's hard to pull off. You really, you just need a whole day. Yeah, and we did not have a whole day. You need like you know, movie theaters have to start showing up at like nine for it to be really. Yeah, they don't start movies super super early. No, I mean, who? Because who's going to see a movie at nine? Just <laughs> yeah. me. It would just be me, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I would. They start movies at nine. But no, that makes sense. Yeah, the earliest one we could find was like a ten thirty one. And even that would like really. But also, we there was there was like a series of compromises. I was like, okay, if we do this and this and that and that, and then we were like, why are we doing any of this? Yeah, why are we making a worse experience for ourselves? Yeah, really stress it's fun or whatever, but stress ourselves out. But uh, so we saw Oppenheimer Friday. Um, it's packed in there, man. Yeah, it was a full it was theater, very full up. Again, on like a th- well, it was a Friday night, but still, you know, 
for an R-rated three-hour-long historical biopic. And I think we, you know, I said this to you, right? I I really do believe, and the proof's in the pudding now because they are both smash hits. I, I think the meme worked. Like this is, I, I, think I really this think is it did having a real tangible effect in a way that doesn't always happen. No, no, it's crazy, right? Yeah, the opposite of the Morbius effect. Yes, it's real though. <laughs> like, yeah, it's real. This everybody time. actually wanted to see these movies, and I I genuinely believe that this they like fed off each other in a way that yeah created a more buzz and hype and interest and. Either, either one, one would have had on their own. Yeah. Which is funny because I think, well, either intentionally or unintentionally, it's not super clear, I guess. I guess we can't really know. But, like, no one was unhappy that they did this and they put Barbie there. And, you know, there's also the idea of, like, Barbie's a uh, Warner Brothers thing and mm-hmm. he's still pissed at them and they had their falling out, right? Yeah, that it was not seemingly on purpose. That Barbie yeah, was put it's kind of how it feels. And he seemed to, I think he vocally at one point kind of, Said something to the effect that he didn't care for it, but I think he made out better for it. I really do. Yeah, I think they kind of kind of it blew Warner Warner Brothers' faith in the way they could. They didn't slash his movie, but in in the end, that was an accidental genius move because mm-hmm. then it just boosted both both of them up. And it doesn't hurt that they they both are just good. Yeah, they're I mean good. that's the bigger component, I'm sure. But yeah, that's really interesting. It was just a very very interesting weekend, huh? Oh, for sure. And now, I, for sure, I'm not for sure, but I would be surprised if. Uh, Companies started to do that thing they do where they see one thing work and they go, well, surely we can catch lightning again in this bottle we've got. I saw it. What did I say? You never it was, can. It was like Wonka and Dune, maybe? Oh, no, I don't think it was Wonka oh, and Dune. Wonka and Dune? That's just two Timothy Chalamet movies. That's, I think I don't think it actually was. It was one other movie coming out this year, though. And they were, But they were also like a week or two apart, even. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, no, you can't. can't do that. that we can't. Let's not force it. Be the, same. the whole point was that it was the same day. Exactly. And it's interesting, but they're, I guess the crazy thing about these movies is that despite being so different, of course, which is, you know, that's where the meme comes from, right? Mm, is so that they're pretty close to being, a you know, about as far opposites. apart as to, uh, you know, as, at least live action movies, right? Like, mm-hmm. as long as you keep that in common, like, yeah, they're pretty diamet- diametrically opposed. But then also, they're, they're also really similar in that they're, like, helmed by two of the, like, you know, most... Uh, respected working actors or uh directors i mean actors too but uh and like they're they're just really well made like there's just a, an air of like genuine like craft to both of these yeah solid stories good leads got every act you've ever known yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> between these two movies again it's like every everyone who's ever been in a film <laughs> but so oppenheimer in specific yeah how did you how did you find it jay We've been pretty. Vo- one of the things I wanted to say first. Okay. We've been pretty vocal, mostly you actually. About you don't like super long movies always necessarily, right? That's true. This is a full on three hour movie, and I I thought I didn't really feel it. I didn't um, either. To- because yeah, I, yeah, because I was like, oh, it's his life. So I'm like, all right, I kind of can feel where we're going, and it sets it up in a way that like you know where you're gonna be, and it doesn't drag. So it's like, all right, we're at this point, so we have like only so much probably left. So you don't you don't get like in the slog of like when we watch the Batman like all right, all right Rob Pattinson when are you gonna find the pe- the Riddler and get this over with? Sure. Like it was much more clear. I, don't, I didn't really I always feel forget it. that movie. I've not seen that movie again since we saw it. Me neither. I always forget it's it is just three hours long. I remember very distinctly <laughs> both of us looking at our watches and looking at each other and being like, "There's half an hour left in this movie." <laughs> Or no, it was an hour. <laughs> I think it's been like two hours. Why? It's wild. I don't know why it's so long. How did you get away with that? Because they need money. They needed a <laughs> they needed a hit. But uh, yeah, I I found it very engaging. I really didn't like. 
And I've felt that way in, in much shorter movies recently. I've been like, all right, we can get this moving. I never felt that. It's it's very engaging mm-hmm. the whole way through. Um, and even though, you know, it has a couple of, like, climaxes almost, right? Yeah. Like, I saw a tweet going around where someone was, like, saying something to the effect of, like, yeah, I think the, the memes and stuff probably has ended up with people who maybe aren't actually really interested in one or both of these seeing them, mm-hmm. which I think there's probably some, some definite truth to. Absolutely. And they were like, yeah, this guy in front of me was like, kept like wa- looking at his watch and like groaning every like five minutes after the bomb dropped to like <laughs> be like, when's it over with? But that's not even, uh, I don't know, there's a good, I guess I don't, I couldn't say exactly what a runtime is, but there's got to be at least like 30, 40 minutes after the bomb, I was going to say at right? least 40 minutes, 45 after the bomb. So, yeah, I mean, and that's, I guess that's the thing I want to say about it is like, to me, I guess I was somewhat surprised, actually, which sounds dumb to say, but I, I think I was honestly kind of surprised by how much it is just a movie about the whole kind of life of Oppenheimer, right? Yeah. It's not a movie about the bomb, specifically, or mm-hmm. completely, right? It's not just a movie about the Manhattan Project or, like, the war. It's very much, like, his his life. And so, the you know, before and after the bomb, and, like, it doesn't, you know, necessarily touch on every perspective of some of these things that maybe people might want because it's his perspective, not the whole thing, right? Yeah, it's how he sees it. Which I think is fine. There's been like lots of discourse of like, oh, why isn't it, you know, it's not showing more perspective and giving voice to different, you know, groups who are like obviously more affected by the stuff itself, which is obviously true, right? Yeah. You know, why isn't it talking about like the people who lived in New Mexico who are affected by the test or like the Native Americans who are displaced or obviously the japanese people in japan and it's like yes that's i mean that's fair to an extent but i mean this is a three-hour movie about oppenheimer's life yeah you like how where is it gonna fit in where we we need to do like long-winded like you know and again maybe there's some value to that but i just i also don't think that this movie is worse for it necessarily no i think i don't think it has to cover all the bases because it because that's not the point like a point is from him you you watch his life i mean that's not all things to all people but like that's Nothing is, right? There's yeah. no movie that can literally touch on everything. And also, it's weird because I I mean, the only context, like in the context of this movie, the only thing I could imagine, like having a, a quote unquote Japanese perspective on it would be like, did you want us to, to like see the bombings? Yeah. Do you want to watch that's what Hiroshima the get annihilated? Right? Like, that's weird. But that's kind of the only thing, you know, the only angle you could take on it, really. Mm. Unless they just literally had like some kind of subplot where it's like, ah, here's a. Japanese family living in Hiroshima. Here's their life. Like, it's just that doesn't work, man. Here's the here's the day of the bombing, and then they get bombed. And it's just weird to me. Like, listen, of course, obviously, giving voice to stuff like that is is valuable and important and stuff. But it is also to me somewhat weird to say like, why is you know why didn't Nolan do enough to like give voice to like again like Japanese people and in their you know relationship with the bombings? And it's like they do that themselves, right? Yeah, like, if you're have- interested in that. You'd watch their cinema. Yeah, Japanese cinema is so profoundly impacted by it that it's like... Yeah, it's the reason we have Godzilla. Yeah, like it's, it's so absolutely like central to their their filmmaking over there that it's not hard. There's, you know, a dozen different... And I'm not by any means like an expert on that, but I've seen people say like, you know, point out that there's... I mean, dozens is an understatement, I'm sure, but like yeah. even in terms of like great like top tier works from Japan in the last century, a lot of them are about that, like from the, you know, preeminent... Japanese filmmakers at their time. Yeah, absolutely. Kurosawa's got one, you know. There's like about half of the freaking what, what's it called? The animated guys? It's Ghibli, right? Oh, yeah, Ghibli. I don't movies. know if it's actually half of them, but Grave of the Fireflies, right, is explicitly about it. Yeah, yeah, that one, they get 
bombed at the end. Yeah. So there's like it exists out there. You don't need to watch Chris Nolan's, Nolan's movie about a, Oppenheimer. A, a British man making a movie about an American scientist for the Japanese perspective. Yeah. I don't know. Again, I, I understand their point to a certain extent, but it's just weird to me to be like, why isn't why is American cinema focused on this? Because it's American. Like, it's I don't know. about America. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's not, and that's it's not about the war. It's how, again, it's one guy. We keep saying that, but it's just how one guy feels about everything. Yeah. I guess I don't even know what the argument to be made there is. Because it's like, yes, American cinema is focused on American audiences. And the reason that America has the biggest, like, film industry is because it's the biggest consumer of film. Film. So, I don't know. Like... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it seems a bit ridiculous when you have to break it down all like that. It's like, right. I feel like we all knew it. I feel like you don't have to say all that. Um, and here's the thing. Even without that, this movie doesn't like make him out to be a hero, right? No. At least any more so than like any you know real human being can be, right? I don't mm. think it makes him a villain, but I don't know if, you know, if we're going to get real philosophical about it. Like, do does such a thing exist, right? Yeah. Like, there's antagonists and protagonists. And, you know, he's very much the protagonist of his own story but he's also like a villain at times right and there's people who are like opposed to him antagonists in the story who are you could paint as villainous but like what is that you know Mm. are those kind of like labels valuable when you're talking about real people like this and yeah he made the nuke i mean if you're i think there's an argument to be made that that's just a morally bad thing bankrupt thing to do yeah and sure but um and all the other stuff he did in his life for that matter like one of the things throughout is that he you know, and, it, and the movie doesn't really directly draw attention to this. You just kind of have to, like, like no one in the film calls him out on it necessarily. But he changes his explanation, like, repeatedly to what, uh, you know, the, the needs of the moment dictate, right? Because in mm-hmm. the beginning, when he's getting a lot of them on board, he's like, guys, we got to beat the Nazis, right? And then, you know, later on when the Nazis are defeated, are defeated he's like, well, we, we got to show them because if they never see it, they'll never believe it. And this will end all wars. It'll be a piece we've never seen. <laughs> yeah. And then later on, he's like, well... We probably need to make more of them just because, like, sure, peace or whatever. And it just, yeah, he's he's a hypocrite at times. Or maybe he's a man who, like, genuinely feels differently. changed his mind, which is also fine. But it's like, yeah, that doesn't really discount everything he did and stuff. And, and yeah, it's a really hard issue. I mean, it's it's literally probably the most controversial historical event ever, right? Like, oh, of for all sure. time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it irrevocably changes the landscape of the world. And it's, like, it's it's a really tough thing to even debate and one of the big themes of this movie right would you say is like is the dichotomy of like like idealism and like pragmatism mm-hmm. and they also like i think it's intentional that like that comes up a couple times in the movies but also the idea of uh theory versus like practice and i think those are kind of you know those are like similar kind of synonymous with each other yeah and, and their dichotomy as well so like there's a lot of stuff around uh you know, like this, the Manhattan Project and the creation of the atomic bomb and the like, um, nuclear proliferation, right? Where there's like pragmatic answers to the questions, but they're also probably morally bad, anyways, right? Yeah. Like, yes, is there a certain argument to be made for like doing the nuclear bombings or the atomic bombings? Yeah, like pragmatically, there are. Also, like, is there any way to actually justify killing like almost two hundred thousand civilians? And no, like, doing that kind of scarring to yeah. the psyche of a nation. Because again, like you said before. All their like a lot of a lot of part of Japanese media. I mean, up to the day, but for a long time, especially, was about that because I mean, you, it would be mm-hmm. you don't yeah, you don't I, you don't just get over that. You really don't as a as a country. And listen, they did a lot of fucked up stuff in World War Two, but they like, raped Nanking. I mean, that cannot be understated. 
That's like the, it's the thing that's most remembered, probably. Yeah. If anything, they almost got. I hate to say it, but I feel like they get a little bit of a of a pass on some of it because the last thing that happened is they got nuked, which is like more profound than the other stuff. But yeah, it's again, there's not really any way to justify that on like mm-hmm. a moralistically, right? Other than you know, obviously getting into hypothetical, right? Yeah. Like, well, this could have happened in that, or if we had done this year, but it's like we didn't. So those mm-hmm. arguments are kind of. Nothing. It's like it's one of the, it's like the same vein. People are like, well, you know, if Hitler created the jet bomber two weeks earlier, what? It's like, well, he didn't. So right. that's that's neither here nor there. It's a there's almost so much value. There's only so much value in doing like hypotheticals like that when you're talking history. history. Yeah, because who could know? Like, yes, if they didn't use the bomb, like one of the arguments, one of the main like um, historical arguments about the bombing is that a uh, swifter end was needed to you know. I didn't say to the censor. They needed to bring a swifter end to the war. Yeah. Um, because a, and they talk about this directly in the movie, right? An invasion of mainland Japan would have cost like millions of, I think over a million American casualties, like so- soldiers and like two or three times that in Japanese civilians and stuff. Yeah. Um, because, and again, there's no real way of knowing, right? You can, you know, argue to the cows come home, like, but part of the idea was that it was thought that there would be like mass resistance by Japanese civilians and stuff. And um, even just to, using it like uh the beach landings they would need to do right they used yeah. the <clears throat> in uh battle of okinawa as like a model for that but obviously scaled up ten, you know ten, ten, tenfold yeah. the, the invasion of the home islands would yeah it would have been catastrophic oh, it would yeah. have like literally like quadrupled the american casualties in the whole war Jeez. now the question of course is okay was that ever actually a realistic thing right right yeah. because as they talk about as well japan was all but defeated it would have just been this long protracted like you know death spasms of of it yeah Yeah. and again there's like all tons of historical perspectives on this like you know they had the the way their system worked there with the emperor and shit there's all kind of stuff going on but there were dissidents even in japan who were like all right we need to stop guys Mm -hmm. yeah and um as they point out in this like the the way we did the two bombs right was very intentional and it's not because they didn't surrender after the first one because they were very very quick it's because they wanted them to think there was more. Like, yeah, I mean, they say as much in this movie. Exactly. Matt Damon's uh, General Groves or, yeah, says that there. they do one to show that they make it, and two that they can keep doing it until they surrender. Because mm-hmm. they didn't really give them enough time to, re- to possibly surrender after the first one, and they don't. They kind of get into it, but like a big part of it is probably the Russians, because the Russians were going to invade Japan as well, and. We didn't want to have to, like, share Japan with them after the war kind of mm-hmm. thing. And we didn't. We didn't. And also, like, I, you can't be understated, right, that it was a show of power to the whole world, like they said. Mm-hmm. Like, there's even, you know, parts of this where they bring up, like, what is what are our allies going to think when America's just like, we got nukes, by the way. Yeah, we, we, How do you feel? we took a big leap forward. Um, but, yeah, it's like, again, it's probably the most, single most important event of, like, the, the 20th century. If yeah. not the whole war, like history, maybe. So it's 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 crazy. There's a lot to be. Unpacked. There's a lot of facets to it, and I think this movie does a pretty good job of like touching on a lot of it. Mm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think it makes them out to be like sufficiently complex. Oh, for sure. And I don't think it is really definitively telling you how to feel too much one way or the other. Because mm. it's probably true that he was. It could very well be that like he did a bunch of bad stuff for, or like he did it for the wrong reasons. That is, and then like. He did come around. I don't know. Does that make you like a good person? If you see the error of your ways, but maybe if you speak so publicly and make such big decisions, do you get to do you get to be like, well, I changed my mind, guys. It's right. all right. He still did it, so yeah, he still have to wrestle with those consequences. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, 
but getting back to the movie itself, mm-hmm. besides history around it, uh, so there's two main like um, points of view, I guess, in this film, or two. They're kind of like different, I guess, two timelines. Two almost, timelines. But they kind of they crisscross back and forth. In yeah. A... So there's um, fusion, which is Oppenheimer's life from his perspective. No, that's fission. I th- oh, was it? No, fission's the other one. No, because fission is what they is the first one, and then fusion oh. is. Oh, look, the atomic bombs is fission, and the H bomb is fusion, right? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, I thought it was the other way around. Um, regardless, <laughs> regardless, though, there's one that's the one part of it from uh, Oppenheimer's perspective is shot all in color, and that just follows Oppenheimer from a um, security briefing, not briefing, um, security clearance panel. Uh, going, you know, over they, I think they called it a hearing. A hearing going over his whole life, and he has a statement he's reading, and uh, he needs basically he, at this point in time, this is the '60s, I believe. I think it's a, is it the very late '50s maybe? or late '50s? '59. Like he's getting secu- his security clearance has been denied or revoked because of a letter that was. What's well, up for renewal? Renewal, and then he has to. They weren't going to do it. It's like yeah, it's being. It. They're having a hearing, hearing for it. it to see if they should or not, basically. Yeah. Uh, and it's a big, as you find out, it's a big kangaroo court. They're just, they're just doing it to really put the screws in on him and give him a hard time and like really just embarrass him. Because of his, it all stems back to his rivalry with this guy, Louis Strauss, Strauss, who was- Admiral Strauss, who was- he was an, Yeah, he was a rare admiral in the Navy Reserves. He was a, um, he was some kind of like assistant to Hoover when Hoover was- President? Not, not president. Oh. Like, um, he was secretary of something or another. But whatever, he's a, he's a, you know, career politician kind of guy who- fingers in a lot of pies and then he's eventually working his way up to be in the cabinet yeah he wants to be secretary of commerce for eisenhower and this is his hearing for it so we kind of take it through like he's going through it and he's and and he's constantly um one of the things i question about um is his relationship with oppenheimer because he was the director of the a EC? Atomic something Energy committee? Commission. Oh, is it? Yeah. I think it's AEC. Yeah. That op- that he appointed Oppenheimer the head of. And we see that right at the beginning of the film, give or take. Uh, and so it's Isn't kind that of a different that. thing? I thought that was like a different job. Is that what it was? Yeah. That's what it was. He- oh, I thought it was something to do more with Princeton. Maybe you're right, though. Maybe no, I, I think just so. Understood. I got it. Yeah. Um, but they butt heads at multiple points throughout history, and it creates this like rivalry between them. A very, a very petty and like personal rivalry. Which often happened between powerful men. Oh yeah, that you know does wait like they act childish for things that shouldn't be acting in such a way. One of the things right at the beginning is that um, he's like, "Oh, Oppenheimer, Einstein's here." When he's showing him the facility, and Oppenheimer goes over and talks to him because they know each other because they're the the most famous people scientists ever. <laughs> um, and you know he drops his hat and they're talking. And then when Einstein walks past Strauss again, he won't even look at him. And so Strauss, for the entire film, is convinced that that is the beginning of Oppenheimer's revenge against him in some way, that he turned all the scientists in the world against him, or at least in America, and that it started with Einstein, because if he gets Einstein, who's not going to listen to fucking Albert Einstein if he's telling mm-hmm. him to do something? So it starts this weird grudge that he has, which uh, we find out is not substantiated yeah. at all. Uh, and then, I th- and then, I mean, some of it's substantiated, perhaps. Yeah, but not... A, not not in, not in that moment that he thinks. Not no, where that it doesn't one. start where he thinks it does. Yeah. And then I something I liked about it is that, you know, as it goes on, we kind of realize that, like, these two things are very, very similar, right? Mm-hmm. This um, security clearance hearing that Oppenheimer's going through and then Strauss's um, Senate that, confirmation for mm-hmm. the cabinet. And they have similar outcomes for similar reasons and stuff. And I think that was a cool way to interweave them. Yeah. And I would definitely say that, like, what's his name? Uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s Strauss in this is like a, a villain or at the very least an antagonist. But again, like yeah. 
that doesn't take away from everything else Oppenheimer Yeah, the misdeeds of his. Which I think is interesting, because again, it's like, in this in this case, I think it's pretty, I think it's commonly accepted that, like, yeah, what they did to Oppenheimer wasn't right. Again, whatever else you think about him and the things he did, that also doesn't mean that they did that correctly, yeah, right? which is a hard thing for, I think, maybe people to get sometimes. Yeah, because you want people to get what they deserve. Because, yeah, it's easy to be like, well, he's he made the nuke or whatever, that's pretty terrible, so who gives a shit? But also, it's like, well, they didn't they didn't do that all right. Yeah. They, 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 there's a very specific reason they do it the way they do it. Like stri- they did not do it for those reasons. Yeah, it's because engin- they, <laughs> they were morally opposed to him. to what he did. Because here's the thing: yeah. the U.S. government asked him to do it. They, they yeah. like s- sought him out to do this for them. Another interesting thing: I don't did we say it, that Oppenheimer stuff is on color? Yeah, yeah, and, the, and Strauss stuff is in black and white. So and, but eventually they kind of like crisscross and overtake one another because the Oppenheimer stuff catches up to Strauss, Strauss, and so then some of that's in. As well, it's yeah. Well, it's from the other person's perspective. Yeah, when it switch, and I think I have to think that's that's another thing that helps with the runtime because it keeps it's visually interesting because it will shift and you're like, okay, this is like it's in it's black and white now, or now it's in color, so it'll keep you more interested. Yeah, I don't think it ever really like. Did you ever find it hard to follow or get lost? Because I, I feel like they did a good job of that, despite jumping. When you really look at it, it's like no, they jump all over the place. Oh yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty clear. Back and forth to like the fifties and the six in like again the sort of current almost setting of the story, which yeah. is mostly the the hearings and the tri- they jump all the way back to the twenties when he was a kid. Yeah, when he's a kid. But then just sporadically, they'll be like, oh, this was this conversation they had about the hydrogen bomb in the in like fifty four or whatever it is, mm. and they'll just jump all over the place. But I never felt like I got lost or didn't really understand. No, I agree. I I think it's pretty clear. Like uh, I said, I I was surprised by how much they did with the the, the hearing and stuff. Like I would have thought that it kind of the movie would have kind of culminated and ended more or less with the bomb, or maybe not. I mean, I I did get the sense from some of the trailers. I didn't actually know who um Robert Downey Jr. was portraying portraying, but I figured that those like courtroom esque things that you see, which turn out to be the Senate hearing, I did think that had something to do with what happened to Oppenheimer later in life because I knew about the like his um sort of fall from grace, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. And part of, a big part of those movies actually they're dealing with like the red scare stuff. Oh yeah, a lot of red scare stuff. A lot of red scare People stuff. People are spooked. They're uh, lots of like communism and are you a communist and are you a spy for Russia? We'll kind kill of you stuff. if you're a communist yeah. and we hate communists. Oh. You know, not even just after the war, but even during and leading up, they're all like, Listen, Russia's our allies, but we all know. We all see the writing on the wall. Um and I think that's kinda interesting. It's 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 no good, I don't think. <laughs> oh, the Red Scare is terrible. I don't think that's an uncommon opinion, but like, yeah. geez, they were... Every time I watch them, I'm like, I can't believe there was a point in time... It's a were, real thing. Yeah, that you were like, I'm afraid to talk to anybody if I was just rummaging through your trash. Now, even some people literally say so, stuff to that effect in this movie. I'm like, that shouldn't be happening in this country. Which, listen, I know America's not actually like, you know, everything it's cracked up to be sometimes, but... What are you saying about America? <laughs> That is something in in particular that was really, I feel like a low point for us, like oh, ideologically, absolutely. to be like, well, listen, the one thing we say we got is freedom, and to be like, literally like, you know, publicly witch hunting people because they might have been a communist one. That's such a weird intangible thing as well, right? Mm-hmm. And like they, um, Emily Blunt, who's Kitty Oppenheimer. Kitty Oppenheimer in this, she has like a really good um, scene in particular, which is, say something effective like, yeah, American communists... There's not even any guarantee that someone who does claim to be an American communist would have any reason to like support Russia. support the USSR because they they're American. They want America to be better. They don't want to like go to another work country, with a different country necessarily. Yeah, which I always thought too. It's like, listen, whatever else you think about communists or whatever, like they they want to improve the country. They want yeah. communism in this country because they want to. They think it'll like improve. It, they think it'll help America. 
yeah. the place, the, whatever place they live. It's not all communists aren't just secretly Soviets. Yeah, <laughs> not like um, yeah, that's some Soviet spies. Yeah. Although there is a couple of those in this. And there, there, there were are. some Soviet spies. It turns and out, and there but. always are Cold War stuff. Uh, so Oppenheimer's stuff starts with him obviously reading um, like a statement to this hearing about his life. Uh, such are the most unbelievable part where they try to convince me that Killian Murphy, 47-year-old Killian Murphy, is a college like student. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, wait, how? when is he in college at this point? I'm like, oh, he's supposed to He's supposed to be betraying a young man. That's why his hair is so dark and blonde. <laughs> I mean, he's doing all right. I don't know. He does look younger. But he looks younger, but, I'm, but I can't. Like, well, I know you're going to become old Oppenheimer later with your sunken in eyes. <laughs> Looking at like stuff, I, he really is a pretty good uh, pick for Oppenheimer, right? Oh, yeah. Just physically. I mean, obviously, he's a really good actor, which is more important, but... He really does look. He's got a wiry frame. Yeah, he does. If we see all that. Tries to kill his travails teacher. In Europe. I wonder if that's a true story. I didn't meant to look into that. To, to kill his teacher with an apple. Yeah, did he try to poison his teacher with cyanide? Wow. Kenneth Branagh is uh, Neil Bohr's, which I did not know. That's who he was playing. Because yeah. that was cool. We talked about it, like I again. I knew I had like a passing knowledge of some of this stuff, but I don't know enough about physics to know that like Einstein, Heisenberg, Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer Bohr's, like these guys were all contemporaries. Yeah, Which I guess just shows how like young that is as a field, right? Yeah. yeah. But that's pretty cool. I didn't know Heisenberg was a Nazi either. I didn't know he was like yeah, heading either. up. I did not know he was heading up their uh, their nuclear program. Which is not ideal for him. Mm-mm, not at all. Gotta pick a different thing, Walter White. Why be the Nazi? <laughs> I think it's cool that like that is pretty prevalent to this because he was Jewish. Oppenheimer is. And I think like something like high percentage, like over half. I think even if, I, I don't know if they had like a main... I think that main group he's always meeting with, those guys, yeah. I think like most of them are six Jewish. out of eight of them are Jewish or something mm-hmm. too. Albert really Einstein's Jewish. Yeah. yeah, yeah, obviously. And uh that's pretty cool. I like that. Like and, and that's kind of a, a thing that's mentioned in this, is that like perhaps part of the reason that uh the Nazis didn't get it as fast as they might have, even though they had like as it's talked about, they had a head start in this because the um I guess the first splitting of the atom test but, was done in Germany. In Germany. So but Hitler was all like, "That's that's Jew science. Yeah. <laughs> Quantum physics isn't real because he's insane. Because he was yeah. just a, a maniac, so yeah, a, a madman came back to get him. Of course, and also the fact that like all of these brilliant Jew- Jewish scientists fled the country, either fled the country, or, or were, whatever happened to them. But they certainly weren't being allowed to work on the mm-hmm. program. So you know, they don't get you. Anti-Semitism will get you again. I guess so. Maybe being a bad guy, not good. Turns out, and yeah, being a being the worst man who's ever lived." Not great. Not great. Uh, but, yeah, he gets... Uh, are we in this? I don't know. I mean, it's just a lot of stuff. There's a lot Again, of- it's just his life. Like, yeah. it's not even all, like, massively important. Uh, there's, like, this affair he has, this long-time affair with... Uh, multiple affairs. Well, he does have multiple affairs, but the one that's mostly depicted is with Florence, Florence Pugh. Pugh's character. The yeah. first time they have sex is the first time. <laughs> You're very surprised by this, right? Yeah, so he's obviously he says the line, I am become death, destroyer of worlds, but it doesn't say it, like, in that press conference, the, the clip, the obviously the famous clip that everybody knows. He says it when he has sex with Florence Pugh for the first time because he's got the bucket of fish new, something to that effect. Well, I'm I, dry. I can't I remember what, what the book called. is called, but he's it's Sanskrit because he can read Sanskrit because he's a maniac. And she's like, what does this say? And he's like, and he just says it as she's on top of him naked. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's a strange. She like brings it over and makes him read it to her. And, he's, yeah. and of course he says it. He's, I mean, he says the line. Uh, and I mean, then, how, how far do you see that coming? Was it as soon as she opened it and it was Sanskrit where you're like, oh. I, I was like, hmm. <laughs> That's probably it. And then I was like, no way they're going to do it right now. Yeah, I'm surprised too. I wonder if there's any truth. I mean, I guess he would have had the book, but yeah, bit of foreshadowing. Bit of weird, weird Christopher Nolan Oppenheimer foreshadowing. 
He meets uh, uh, Kitty, who he's who's married to a different scientist. <laughs> who gets pregnant, and then he has to break off. He develops a reputation for being... A womanizer. All kind of bad stuff, really. Yeah. Womanizer. Kind of a egotistical, but arrogant. I mean, you know, he, he seems to have a reputation for being, like, the best of the best. And mm-hmm. then sometimes, if not often, then leads people to kind of think they are. <laughs> so. Yeah, he, be- he believes his own hype. He's the most important. Uh, he develops, obviously, a relationship with General Stroud. No, not Stroud. General Grouse? Stroud? Grouse? Grouse. Like I'll bring that up. Uh, portrayed by Matt Damon. Uh, he's the one who's like, all right, Oppenheimer, I'm in charge of the Manhattan Project. You have to lead it. Let's go build Los Alamos. He's like, everyone told me you sucked, but, <laughs> but I picked you. <laughs> I anyway. think that's why you should do it, I guess, maybe. Maybe. Do uh, you like Matt Damon? I did. I, th- I mean, he's one of our greatest living actors. I love Matt Damon. Yeah, absolutely. You got a lot right. of He does good, I think. I think he does great. You were critical of the one line he has in the trailer. Uh, the most important, it's the most important thing in the history of the world. And I was like, that's, it's a little bit better in context. Uh-huh. Um, but I think because I just, I was so focused, I was like, God. he says, he puts a couple more fucks in this. I'm like, all right, it's cool now that he says it this way. I think so. And but, it's a whole, like, that's part of a montage where they're going around to, like, different universities and stuff trying to recruit scientists to the Manhattan Project. And they, but they can't tell them what they're doing. But they all kind of know. Like, apparently this was a more or less an open secret, even at the time, among certain circles. Like, yeah. the world wasn't as, like, you know, connected back then. Mm. But people who are in the know, I mean, no. you can't really hide it when you're recruiting, you know, Physicist. all the top physicists in the country to go do something in the middle of World War II. The, the writing was on the wall. So, yeah. like, academics all knew, but they still kind of have to be, like, careful about it. And yeah, even in the moment, like, when when Oppenheim, when they first show that they can split the atom, like, that's not possible, and they do it on their own. Even Oppenheim is like, oh, this, you can make a bomb with this. And then immediately they're like, all right, time to make a bomb. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if you, yeah, if you, if you've talked to Oppenheimer once, they'd be like, huh, put A and B together, and you'd be getting going. Uh, Casey Affleck's in this randomly. He is, yeah. He plays Colonel Powell. Colonel Something Powell. Like uh, this maniac who my damn character is like, I would never put you in with that absolute fucking maniac. He's like head of security or something yeah, for the and project, par- and he's very uh, particular about it. Yeah, he's par- looking for communists. Well, he looks for communists. He, apparently, he was he's a, Amer- a Russian American who went back to Russia, and he was in his early twenties to fight the Balkans, <laughs> to fight in the civil war, the Bolsheviks, the Bolsheviks, excuse me, not the Balkans, and a, and a quote killed communists with his bare hands, <laughs> with his own hands. Uh, it was said that he wanted to interrogate someone, and it, it wouldn't be much of him left. And the FBI said, "Well, we can't use it." And he said, "I don't care." <laughs> I was like, oh, this guy's insane. He's just crazy, apparently. Yeah. His buddy is also kind of, um, I guess not quite, but there's also, I guess it's um, Matt Damon's, like, maybe it's his XO, mm-hmm. but uh, who's Dane DeHaan. He's also pretty creepy and mean. <laughs> yeah. Kind of sets him up. And uh, Gary Goldman plays Truman. Yeah, Gary Goldman's there as Truman, huh? I was really impressed by Alden Einheinreich, who is, I think, unnamed. I think he's just an aide guy. I yeah. don't know if he's portraying a real figure of any note at all but mm-hmm. he was really good he kind of like switches almost he comes around to being like actually it's kind of the audience don't care much for you yeah. senator he's a bit of the audience circuit to kind of be like wait this is bad isn't it do you do all this did you and he did uh, so it <laughs> turns re- out it's revealed that uh the reason he's in this hearing is because because of the um einstein of like incident um seemed to have set off like a a chain reaction where vendetta where he yeah. just never let that go for as long as Strauss he like leaked information to a different person to write a letter to the FBI which is almost in just complete falsehood but yeah and he was told that dude like, from Ant-Man yeah dude from Ant-Man was there 
polka dot man is like i think he's a, i'm almost certain he's a spy for russia and it's like whoa whoa <laughs> almost like how did you get to that uh so he was there and he gives them then he sends the fbi and they do this they reject they don't clear him again for security and then they go through the whole rigmarole but um, he intentionally like got a couple steps removed from it so it didn't look like he did it but then because he was on the commission he got to like have a hand in picking it and he picks this one guy who really doesn't like the him. dude from uh he's in things you've seen him probably have i couldn't remember his name he's in like the new one of the new transformers <laughs> <laughs> he's in uh what's it called the uh dawn of the planet of the apes i think jason clark yeah. who basically just serves as like an interrogator he was like, a real asshole just really putting the screws to him um but we're kind of jumping around a bit but i mean it's not i mean it's a long movie we won't go through it a bit is. we've probably going for a minute here so all the i do think the uh you know los almost stuff is cool it's an interesting town i didn't know they literally like built a little town like that i guess i assumed it was an existing place but of course it wasn't no the i mean the kind of culminating event right is of course the trinity test looks really cool oh yeah that's a real bomb oh, also, yeah. it's almost like you can't even appreciate it because you know you just i would never assume that's a real bomb <laughs> yeah you just like, well it's probably just tgr or something so when you see it but it is i don't even know if it's any more impressive though on film you know what i mean yeah if i saw it i'd be like holy shit that's crazy but yeah in real life of course yeah but but it's like is that actually more of a spectacle than a good cgi one i don't know i don't know i guess i'm i'm, I'm the unwashed masses here jack I no guess one so. would smite me if you heard that, but he would. After but it he, does look crazy. He'd pause Taldega Knights and kill you. It's crazy how like flippant they are with some of the stuff, though, right? Mm. They're all just like laying down, like a I don't know, seemingly not far enough away. Uh, yeah, I was. Just I talking. mean, we know it's not far enough away because people eighty upwards of eighty miles from that site like got were stricken with cancer for decades. So those guys probably also got a little bit more radiation than they bargained for. Oh yeah, definitely. And the one guy just puts sunscreen on. He's like, this will protect me. Well, they all do. I think that's, yeah. they were like, this will do it. <laughs> this is all we need, right? They just have little welding glasses, which I don't know. Is that how they did it back in the day? Did they not have proper helmets? They, did everyone just walk around with pieces of glass in front of their eyes? Little goggles. It's crazy. Crazy stuff. But uh, mm. yeah, they do it. I mean, it's, and then he says it again. Or he thinks it. I, don't he, know. He, I think he thinks back to the moment because they replayed the same audio because you can hear the you can yeah, hear yeah. the bed squeak in the background. But I think I thought that's when he was supposed to have said it in real life. Is after they do it, of course, and he's like, "Oh, well, I think well from the the famous clip of him in the interview, he says that when it goes off, he's reminded of it. Like he thinks oh, of it. He doesn't okay. see. He, he doesn't say it to other people. He's like oh, he was okay. struck he, by that. Okay. I like that. Like I wasn't quite sure how people. And, and I mean, I guess there's no way to know how accurate this is. And that's something about historical movies like this is that like when you talk about them, you're talking about the you know we're talking about the characters in this movie who are real people who existed, but, but who aren't necessarily identical. Right. Mm. But, they're fictionalized for yeah the these per- are technically fictional characters to an extent but is that like i didn't know how if he was like beloved like that and i guess he was yeah i mean seems like it. he's like i didn't know if like the people around him also thought that and it seems like some people did but overall it seemed like everyone was like this guy's cool yeah so right he, he did do the thing <laughs> he, he, i mean he became death and no one else could do that uh a real good part i write the end here because we're jumping around but i want to spoil i guess for the end of oppenheimer um there's a point where um Al- Alan Einrich? Alden Einrich? Al- Alden, uh, what you whatever you yeah. just said. <laughs> Thank you. I don't even know if that's com- completely accurate. It's well, definitely Alden is his first name. You, Alden, Mister Alden, Han Solo, young Han Solo, uh, is Let him be being Han like. Solo again, Jack. That's what I've been saying the whole time. I'm with you. I think he's better than Harrison Ford in some respects. Okay. Steady on. Hey, you brought a hey, you opened this can of worms. You opened the Jack Han Solo genie. 
It's so good. He's so good. He's so great. good. It's such a good movie. Anyway, we're getting off track. Um, but he's Stra- he like loses. Strauss loses, and uh, he's Alden is like failed to be confirmed by the yeah, same. He's like, oh, it's Oppenheimer. He pulled the signs against me because Remy Malik does a whole speech about how terrible he is and how he fucked over Oppenheimer. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Whoa!" A rare act in American history where like comeuppance is given to people who do wrong to, to shitty politicians. Yeah, by rare. other shitty politicians, no yeah, less. But, but I mean, better than nothing. <laughs> at least they're getting it. That was a great scene. Oh, it's yeah. just like, and they're like, "Oh, so like you think?" And in in Robbie Malik's basically just like, "It's mostly just because he's such an asshole." About yeah, it. <laughs> he's it's like word. we all lo- we all saw it, and we're just like, he's just being a vindictive piece of shit. Like he's just a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> His character is is just poor. Yeah. <laughs> And he's freaking out because I thought it's going to be a slam dunk for him. Uh-huh. Uh, but he's like, no, it was Oppenheimer. He turned Einstein against me. And he was like, why do you think they're talking about you? They're pro- <laughs> You think Albert Einstein and J. Robert Oppenheimer are talking about you of all people when they meet? That was the most important thing they had to say to yeah. each other. They're talking about something way more important. And then we finally get to see that scene. I also like, real quick, that he's like, um, Rob Danger is like, what, what are they, they going to get, Oppenheimer? And he's like, maybe. <laughs> Put him in the cabinet? And he's like, yeah, maybe, sir. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I'm just the aide. I'm just Han Solo. <laughs> Simple man trying to make his way in the galaxy. But it's kind of alluded to so many times, like, because this is such an obsession for him that we see it, like, played out multiple, multiple times mm-hmm. of, like, this this day they met on this at this pond and his half flew off or whatever. And what did he say? Yeah. And uh, so what they talk about, uh, obviously, and this is in color because it's from Oppenheimer's perspective, and obviously it's, like he says, not at all about Strauss. Way more important. They're just talking to each other, as you would. Because um, years earlier, during the development of the bomb, I at think- one point they get they get that thing where they were like, "Is this going to cause a chain reaction where every atom on the planet's going to explode?" And they bring the Oppenheimer brings the uh, math to Einstein, and he's like, "Can you do this math?" And he's like, "I'm not good at math. I'm not good at math. Also, I'm old. I'm also I don't want <laughs> you guys know. You honestly kind of know this stuff better than I do because I'm old. I'm old." Does it, wait, someone says something to that effect, don't they? Is it him or it's, it's, where he's like, Einstein's him. like... He's the past. He's the past. Which is Half why his stuff isn't even right or whatever. And um, so then he's like, hey, remember when we said we destroyed the world? He's like, I think we did. Like, I yeah. think... When I when we said we were worried that we might set off a chain reaction that might destroy the whole world, I think we did. And, we, <laughs> and yeah. then Einstein's just like, maybe. <laughs> maybe. All right, see you later. Time to go ruin your life by walking past this guy and not saying hi. <laughs> Good luck, dickhead. The other big thing is this isotopes issue. Apparently, at one point, it was it was a you know a debate of like whether the United States should export isotopes to Norway, other countries in general, I guess. And mm. stress, stress no. was opposed to it, and Oppenheimer was okay with it, and he was like explained it to them why that isn't an issue, mm. and uh, he also felt embarrassed by that because Oppenheimer did it up a bit, <laughs> and then even his lawyers like you didn't have to do that to him. They did a little hardy's ah whatever, who cares. He's like it went over, went over well, Robert. Maybe too well, <laughs> and it did too well. He never forgot that because he's a petty, vindictive Apparently politician. Apparently, he's the worst <laughs> fucking guy ever. Very interesting character. And again, he's like he's one of those guys in American history who didn't do enough to really be like thought of as too great. And he his legacy in, in politics is just that he's kind of a villain. <laughs> yeah, he said he's just a worst. I mean, they're all villains, really. If you think about yeah, it. Well, exactly. But that's the thing. He's some a, of them are remembered as villains, and some of them aren't. And yeah. He got to be remembered as a villain because he was just, he just hated Oppenheimer so much. <laughs> hated one guy. Uh, so, any any final thoughts about this? I mean, it's very good. It's a, I would say good if, if you see, I mean, fucking watch it, man. If you it's, it's incredible film. I, I saw. I've, I will say, I wasn't quite as like 
I didn't find it quite as like transcendent as some. No, people. I was not depressed. It, well, yeah, a lot of people were like talking about how how deeply like it impacted them emotionally. I mean, yeah, they did nukes, and nukes are there. Like nukes are bad. I guess the ex- the uh, existential threat of like nuclear war isn't. I don't know. It isn't new, right? Like I'm numb to it at this point. I guess I'm. Yeah, I, I love a I'm nuclear saying. war. I'm aware of it, enough of it that this movie itself didn't like really. Yeah. Give me any revelations. <laughs> it's like, wait, we were wrong to bomb oh, the Japanese. Shit. All those poor children didn't do anything wrong. We're, we're Prometheus, maybe we're doing Prometheus. We're chained to the rock. We gave man fire. We it's, gave yeah. we gave the tools to destroy ourselves. Death, destroyer of worlds. Yeah, it's, and it's so interesting. It really is fascinating to like because the thing is, right? Is is Oppenheimer responsible for that? No, right. No. I mean, in the sense that if he didn't do it, someone else would have. Yeah. Someone, someone would have got there eventually, right? There is no way to like stop it, and that's where, like, I, again, I think the pragmatism versus like idealism thing kind of comes in. Is mm-hmm. like, yes, ideally, should nuclear weapons exist? No. Pragmatically, was there ever a world where that they wouldn't come to exist? No. No. Like, so it's so just it's not you. It's the next guy. I mean, also and then- listen, the atomic age is good. Like nuclear power is one of the best. Forms that we have at the moment. Yeah. Too bad big oil. Uh, yeah. Well, big, big oil, oil is effectively lobbied against it for decades and effectively scared nations and across the world. Because the USSR had fucking Chernobyl. They had like a cut rate fucking... They, they did their nuclear plants like they did everything. Kind of shitty sometimes. Yeah. they. Yeah. <laughs> and then they Japan sh- put one in a pretty bad location and now we've got like these two public kind of disasters that everyone's everyone afraid hates. of. Also, even those ones, not even that bad. All right, listen, there's no way to, like, completely track, like, in an indirect deaths, but, you know, like, Chernobyl killed, like, 40-something people, and the Jap- Japan one killed, like, I think less than 10, or right around, maybe less than 20. Right, yeah. These weren't, like, catastrophic events mm. in... So, listen, here's the thing. The other energy we use also kills lots of people, <laughs> like... Kills way more people? Directly and indirectly. Yeah. Like, how many people die digging coal every year, right? How, how much fucking soot is in your lungs from fucking exhaust? There's more nuclear radiation put into the put out into the world by Cars. coal, burning yeah. coal, than it is because there's just naturally like occurring yeah. isotopes and mm. stuff in fucking coal because you just a rock you get from the ground. A lot of, most rocks are kind of radioactive a little bit. So, put, I think it's like it's something I'm seeing. Yeah. It's like one city worth of coal, or like one coal plant a day puts out more like radiation than like all the nuclear plants in a year kind of thing. Like, it's insane. People don't know what nuclear waste is. Like, it's a whole... Yeah. Because it's people, a whole issue, but... People think it's like uh, in The Simpsons where the it's fish It's like glowing fucking it. barrels that we yeah. have to like, woo, this goop, when mostly it's like, well, these are gloves that we used, so now we have to Encase treat them Encase them in concrete, yeah, and they're we have fine. To, we have to treat them like a... A hazard. No, those... The half-lives on those are pretty good, because everyone's like, what about in 10,000 years? Almost none of it will be radioactive anymore. That's yeah. the whole thing. It's called half lives. If it, because everyone's like, well, what if there's no one around to maintain it? I mean, it feels like kind of a moot point, anyways, because it's like if we keep going the route we're gonna go, then we well, we don't gotta worry about ten thousand years probably, yeah, anyways. We've really got ten years. You talk to the right scientist. Regardless, so to be like, well, what if millions of years from now, some future society comes upon our nuclear waste and don't know what to do with it? I don't know, man. Not my problem. <laughs> that's that's a pretty far off concern. Yeah, futurist thinking is always done by people who don't want to change the present, and that's true. But yeah, so like nuclear power is good, like that. <laughs> yeah, nuclear power is good. You know, the atomic age. Listen, it's it's here. Sell your car, probably. I want nuke cars. They got nuke cars in Fallout. Everyone's car is a little nuclear reactor. I don't think Fallout's one you got to go off of. Well, 
bad one. Yeah, <laughs> bad <laughs> obvious reasons. Fallout isn't a, isn't a stellar depiction of the nuclear age, but that's okay. Right, right before the Fallout stuff happens, they're doing yeah. pretty well. Exactly. I got my little robot butler with its rocket. That's right. great. All right, let's. We've already talked about it for almost an hour, so it's a big movie. It's a big movie, and that's what I always say. So almost every every other week when I go for a long while, I say, "Well, but it was important. This one was important for reasons, <laughs> for all the reasons that I think it was important." But okay, well, we're actually taking out of that into the uh, the second the second half of Barben Barbenheimer, Barbieheimer, Barbie. Also, very sick, good movie, really good movie. Direct, written and directed. Well, directed by Greta Gerwig, written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. Didn't know Noah Baumbach had a role in it. Both very good writers. I like Lady Bird. I like Marriage Story. Mm-hmm. I liked this movie. Hell yeah. Um, they can make more movies. I mean, they're both very good. Uh, she had a great movie. I thought so. So obviously the exact opposite of it with, I mean, its own. Of course, it's got its own slew of fucking different, but equally as fucking annoying discourse. Because uh-huh. you've got every fucking right-wing conservative jack-off being like, Oh my god, the Barbie movie says patriarchy 15 times. Go fuck yourself, Ben Shapiro. Yeah. You piece of shit. <laughs> I hate you. And like, here's the thing. If you had asked me if the if the literal concept of the patriarchy would actually be a, a, a key part of this movie, I would not have known. I would have not said that myself, okay? Me neither. But I also don't understand all those same people who are saying stuff to the effect of like, basically that they expected this to be some kind of like, yeah, conservative minded like well i thought this was gonna be teaching little girls about how it's cool to be a mom or whatever and, and to embrace like Fa- my christian values yeah like sort of traditional like gender roles and like motherhood and stuff and i'm just like why would you ever arrive at that like again regardless of the actual content of this movie what would ever possess you to think that like literally just because like they wear dresses and pink and stuff they look more like and because it's based on a doll that it, that this is like a traditionally feminine kind of thing that they must fall into like actual fucking 60s era gender roles and stuff like what do you the whole point of Barbie is that she's got a million jobs yeah almost none of which i think ever have revolved around motherhood and the pregnant one they got rid of and again like that's one of the main things of this is like it's not a, she's not even really traditionally the, the relationships aren't a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. This idea that, like, well, she should... Be, isn't it about how she's going to, like, settle down? No, he's Ken. That's the whole point. Yeah, no one like Gosselin's been saying since the beginning. Yeah. No one cared about Ken, all right? He's an accessory to Barbie. The toys aren't for boys. Yeah, exactly. For girls, he's... Ken was as much an accessory as the fucking car or the dream house. Or anything. Or I the mean, pooping dog. I mean... The God bless the pooping dog. I mean, it, literally, the poster says, she's everything, he's just Ken. Like, I I don't... You gotta look at the material, guys. The material's there for a reason. And the trailers and stuff. I don't know who what these people expected going in, frankly. Yeah. But, um... Yeah. I, I, and also, directed by Greta Gerwig. Yeah. Come on, guys. I don't know how anyone could have ever expected this movie to have anything other than, like, modern, like, liberal feminist politics in it. Like, yeah. you see... I, the Barbie movie by Greta Gerwig. Yeah, you never. I mean, most you of can't it, make the shit up, Jack. I mean, I think of most of it is, and that's the part is that we know a lot of the inside baseball this stuff. We know yeah. who Greta Gerwig is, familiar with her work. We're big yeah. fans of it, but we're like, okay, if she's making this movie. We can reasonably guess where we're gonna go here because it's not gonna. It, it, it honestly, again, Greta Gerwig making it is the only reason I would ever have had an yeah. interest in it. I think. Because you knew it was going to be something. Like, this this movie actually has substance to it in a way that... It's not just some fucking weird movie. That a Barbie movie easily could not have, right? I mean, if you had me guess, I would not have thought so. Because it's just a Barbie movie. So so we thought, right? So we thought. But again, 
deceiving. When you hear like Greta Gerwig's doing it, suddenly it was like, wait a minute, wait, there's going to be something to this. Ladybird ladies in this. Hold on. And Little Women. Little Women? Pride and Prejudice? Which one did she Who? Greta Gerwig. She, she did Little Women. She did Little Women. I always mix up Little Women and Pride and Prejudice. Sure. Very similar. They're Very all like. similar. Yeah. Victorian era. Yeah. Emma all... and bullshit. Jane Eyre kind of thing. Jane Eyre, sure. Fucking uh, Much Ado About Nothing. No, not that one. Prince of Pe- Emma. Pizza Ernest. That's a... I said Emma. Did you say Emma? Yeah. I'm not listening. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of Florence Pugh. Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. He's not in this, huh? Apparently he was supposed to be. What? Him and um, the Irish girl with a name I can't pronounce. So- sorry, Sronin. Yeah. She was supposed to, they're both supposed to be in it, but they couldn't. Damn. And she was like- He was filming Dune, too. He was filming, He was too busy being the Mujahideen or whatever the hell. Damn. And fighting Austin Butler. Damn. Speaking of fighting Dune, space I hope Austin Butler does the Elvis voice in Dune. I, almost that'll, make it, right? that'll make it way better. I don't think he knows how to do anything else. I, I think that's anymore, the only thing right? he can do. That's all he can do. So. He'll put his guitar. <laughs> anyway- not to immediately get sidetracked. Uh, it was good. It's, good it's really good. It's very I, good. Very, it's funny. It's very funny. Like the plot stuff, even aside, one of the things that very much impressed me is the um, like design of it. Right? Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Barry Land is incredible. Like even yeah. it just w- whether you're into that aesthetic necessarily or not is is immaterial. I just think it looks really well done. It's, it's just incredibly yeah. well executed. Got the painted backgrounds. Like I saw, like there's, there's a whole there's whole like architectural architectural digest where they break down yeah, like, yeah. here's everything because they put a lot of it's just a lot like a lot of care I, it really is that's that's the thing that like stands out to me and has stood out to me since like the you know early trailers and stuff of this it's just that it yeah they put a lot of care into this yeah, and they, they care about the material because it's like um i saw i saw some video some guy talking about barb and Ivor. he's talking about barbies like people who aren't like, like by people he means like a teenage to young adult men would be like well who cares about all this barbie stuff it's like well hold on Barbie is what Star Wars is to you because people comb through Star Wars stuff being like, here's all the references. That's just this movie for people who like Barbie. Yeah, it's incredible. Because they got literally like, they reference it like on screen yeah, by name. You know, it's so cool. So like if you knew Barbie, like the back of your hand, you'd be like, look at all these references I like. I enjoy this movie. It's one of those things, right? It's like when you talk to someone who has like a hobby or whatever, an interest that you don't necessarily share, but there's often something like infectious almost about hearing someone explain something they're passionate about, right? Yeah. You don't necessarily know what they're saying, but it's just like, oh, this is a person who really knows their stuff. That's interesting to hear coming yeah. from someone with, again, the knowledge and the passion. It's like that. Like, yeah, well, I don't give a shit about Barbie or whatever necessarily, but just seeing like how well done this is and like, look at all the stuff they pulled from. I, I just think that's yeah. really cool. Oh, cool. There's a there's a sugar daddy Ken. I I never knew that. <laughs> I would have and- never known that. But the fact that they're going to these deep cuts, again, it just shows a level of like, again, just real care and, and craft to this whole thing. Again, it looks incredible. Like, I, I feel like a Barbie movie could have just easily been like a I don't even know, like a generic like character character named Barbie who's just living a, in the in, in life, just living life. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? I, yeah, who knows? But like, I, I feel like there's a chance in a different world, like that's all it would be is mm-hmm. just whatever. Like it would never, it wouldn't be all this meta like fourth wall stuff of like, well, they live in the Barbie land where it's all plastic and toys and stuff, and I, I don't know. Like obviously the costumes. Absolutely next level. Oh, absolutely. And it's really cool. A lot of those are directly based off of, again, like real outfits. Outfits for the Barbies back in the day. It's it's awesome, man. It's oh, just yeah. real cool to look at, if nothing else. And then I think that the actual like plot and story of it all is good. also very, very good. Yeah, so the thing is what there's... Margot Robbie is stereotypical Barbie. That's who she is. Well, first, the first movie is the first look or teaser that we got yeah, in, yeah. in December, um, which is just... Uh, which I... I wish we... Uh, seeing in the movie, I was like, oh, I guess it makes sense you'd use this for the movie, 
but I almost wish I hadn't seen it in a I trailer. Totally agree. Because I was like, it should be way cooler if it just like started with a 2001 a Space Odyssey reference. And, and so it's like, oh, okay. Because I remember when we saw that, I honestly kind of assumed it wasn't going to be in the movie. Like, it was something I extra, didn't think it was going to be, they, yeah. But, yeah. Makes but, sense that they would. I mean, if, obviously you, was. if you went off the trouble to reference that scene, you're going to use it. Yeah, yeah. Helen Mirren starts by narrating everything. Yeah, she's the narrator. Um, we got a song. I think it's Megan the Stallion does the song in the back. Did she do that one? I don't know. I th- she's on there. She's on there. I, th- I think she does on the song. I think Dua Lipa's, Dua Lipa's in it and yeah, she's on the in soundtrack. It. She's the Mermaid Barbie, I think. Absolutely. Right? Uh, and so, yeah, we just yeah. go through her day in Barbie land. She hangs out with, she says out all the Barbies. She goes to the beach, hangs out with Ken. Uh, but again, it's just so like, yeah. it's all stuff we saw from the trailer, but like, there's no water. The thing where she just like floats down yeah, cause all the, that stuff. Like, it's just so interesting. And, and I just think a different, in a different movie, they just wouldn't have bothered to do that. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't even necessarily like stand out as a poor choice, but just the fact that they did choose to depict it like that. I just think, yeah, it just makes it so much more interesting. It makes it more it grounds it in its own reality. Yeah. It's like, this is a toy reality and everything is a toy. It's like the Lego movie, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's great. Uh, and then, oh, in more ways than one because mm-hmm. interactions and their toys. Uh, and then she's, they're having a dance party and all of a sudden she's like, you guys think about dying? Yeah, it's the stuff from the trailer. Yeah. Like, she's having some, some weird... about death. Her, she doesn't have her, her feet become flat. She's not using her high heels. She's got cellulose. She's like, her water's cold. Her food's burnt. She's all like confused on what's happening. She has to go meet Weird Barbie, played by... What's her name? Her Kate, name? Isn't that Kate McKinnon? It is Kate McKinnon. SNL alum, I think. I don't think Absolutely. she's SNL, but God, she's funny. I enjoy her very much. Um, yeah, she's she's a, and she just represents a Barbie who gets played with too hard. Hair's cut, singed, draw on her face, all this kind of stuff. Constantly in the splits. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> tells her she has to go to the real world to find the girl who's playing with her and tell her to stop making her sad. Stop thinking sad things at her. She can... Uh, do it. She goes off, and Ryan Gosling's Ken follows her because he's obsessed with her and can't. She's like, "I don't want you to come. Get out of here." He's like, "No, please. I have to." So they go, and they're roller skating, and they get harassed by men. And everyone's staring at her. She doesn't like the real world because obviously it's the reverse. Because in Barbie Land, all the Barbies are in control. Mm-hmm. There, it's a matriarchy there, and all the Kens are not in charge. And then it's the reverse, and they don't. They frankly don't even do anything. Yeah, they don't do anything. They just kind of run around. It's Ken's like, job is beach. <laughs> Speech is not lifeguard. Just beach. Just beach. Uh, no one knows where even they. There's no showing of where they sleep or go no. at night. They just exist. <laughs> they truly are just like accessories. Yeah. There's Alan. There's Alan. Love Alan. God. God bless Michael Sarah's Alan. I do think that was an interesting choice they did for this one because yeah, the other all the other Barbie characters traditionally have names, which they show at the end of the, in the credits. Mm-hmm. But in this one, they're all just Barbies and Kens. They don't mm-hmm. have. They don't get natural names. They get like distinctions or like no. this is. The pre- like it's, it's not president of Barbie. They're all just Barbie. Who who is the president? Yeah. Like, Except for a very select, f- like yeah, Skipper gets to be Skipper, Midge, the Midge. pregnant <laughs> one, gets to be pregnant, and then Alan is Sugar Daddy. To be Alan. Uh, so they go and they find Margaret. Thinks she finds the girl who it is. She finds a girl at um junior high school. She's like, hey, I'm Barbie. You were playing with me. Let's go. And she gets absolutely torn apart by all this. Um, this girl is a very very articulate. A lot of I guess it's a pretty good library at the school. She's really it's a lot of she calls her a fascist at the end. Um, I thought that was really interesting though, and, yeah. I, and I'm I think it's fascinating that this movie like on some level explores all these aspects because like so in the very beginning, um, when uh, Helen Mirren's narrating for Barberland, they're like, 
It's all like, and then because because Barbie exists and it taught little girls that they could be anything, little girls can be anything, and and they solved feminism and all the problems in the world. And I was like, so that's a nice idea, right? But it, right of the way, it's and, poking and the holes in the idea that you know, Barbie's obviously that. it certainly didn't do all that, right? No, it solved so. feminism. Well, yeah, and then she even says like, well, at least what the, that's what the Barbies think. Yeah, like, and why? Who is who is to tell them any different? So I I think it's really interesting this like examination of what barbie is and like what role it has had and the effect of it all and like they they talk about how so much of uh the kind of identity of barbie and like it is wrapped up in like a you know a very american like capitalist consumerism kind of thing right where it's like barbie's cool because she has all she this has stuff cars and houses and all this dogs you know, clothes and stuff mm. and i was like that is interesting that's an angle i hadn't thought of it and like that's that's one of the things the daughter points out right that barbie kind of perpetuates that and like it's, you know, it's this kind of dichotomy of, like, well, Barbie is, like, allows you to, like, I guess it's, like, a fantasy thing, right? Mm. Where it's, like, oh, look it, I can be anything. But then also, it can have the opposite effect, where little girls are then, like, well, I can never be Barbie. Yeah, I can't do all this stuff. How am I ever going to look like Barbie? And I was, like, yeah, that's all really, like, I feel like there's validity to all of that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Ken goes off and finds out about the patriarchy, <laughs> finds about horses and men and working out. Gets, basically gets Andrew Tated. He, that's, yeah. Good way to put it. He gets all all, all uh, right wing pipeline. <laughs> yeah, he does, but in a very, but in a very like, I guess innocent, as innocent, relatively, as, right? As innocent as just, you can be. It starts because he just gets there and is like, oh, people respect me here, right? They like see me as a person, which again is kind of a yeah. It's it's and as it turns out, like you know, with the rest of the movie, it is a bit of an indictment of the Barbies, the way they treat the Kens, right? It's probably a bit extreme and yeah. unnecessary to like again, like. Like it's called to later, Barbie's like, I don't even know where they sleep. Like it's it's like the Barbies don't see the Kens as people, which yeah. isn't cool. And that's kind of what leads to the problem. Not that it's like what what they end up doing is completely justified, but that's why Ken gets there. He's like, Man, dudes are cool here. Yeah, I can <laughs> men rule the world. Yeah. And horses. <laughs> yeah, horses. <laughs> he really got into horses, which I thought was very funny. That is good. Um someone asked me for what the time was. <laughs> and that's like again, that's that's such an innocent minor thing, but it has an effect on Ken. Yeah. He really no one. I guess no one would ever think to do that in their world. Yeah. Um. And yeah. So then, then Mattel gets Barbie back. They're like we gotta get Barbie back. Gotta put her back in the box. Get her away after the Skipper incident that we covered up. <laughs> uh, obviously, the Mattel CEO is portrayed by Will Ferrell, and you know, I mean, he's Will Ferrell in a movie. You can't go wrong with him. He's got yeah. high energy. He's got a, a playfulness to him. It's good stuff. Um. Barbie escapes and is taken by America Ferrera, I believe is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. She, what is your character's name? I cannot remember. I don't remember. Um, I mostly call her mom. I feel like. Yeah, I call her mom. I don't really. I don't know how. She's really good. Though. Did you see? I mean, I kind of saw that twist coming right away, right? Oh yeah. Something yeah. about the way that sh- the because her like visions were shot mm-hmm. where the mom's cut out, and then I was like, okay, the, it's obviously that. Well, and then she grabs the Barbie out of the box, and I was like, well, obviously it's the mom. Oh yeah, of course. And then when we see America for, I was like, oh, that's that's her. That's yeah, her she's that. drawing the picture. She's got constant thoughts of death, Barbie, and <laughs> cellulo- cellulite, cellulose, cellulite. Cellulite. Cellulosis in plants. Uh, Barbie. Uh, so that's all good. And they they go back to... Well, Ken goes back first to Barbie land with all his new ideas. He's like, I gotta go back and tell all the guys about this. And tell the Kens and we can take over. And they do. And somehow they... That's not super... I guess that wasn't super clear. I'm it's ha- not super clear. But there's a lot. Of, I mean, it's very they fantastical, kind of right? There's a lot of hand-waving going on. Like, the, things just happen. Which is fine. I mean, it's about toys. Yeah, yeah. Toy world and real world. I can live with that, but somehow, some way, using their masculine energy, the Kens basically turned Barbie Land into 
what Ken thinks the real world is, uh-huh. as he understands it from Central City or whatever whatever building he was in. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that building. I don't no, really yeah. know what it is. A big part of it, right, is the, the way they kind of address it later on is that because, the, you know, Barbie Land is such a fantastical place, like, where they've never had to conceive of stuff like, I guess, sexism <laughs> and the things that, like, they mm-hmm. were completely unprepared to Deal with defend themselves from it. That's kind of the only explanation they ever give. Yeah, like smallpox or whatever. That's how they refer to it. It doesn't really make sense as to how or why the Barbies were all, like, effectively uh, brainwashed, but mm-hmm. to be like, ah, oh, this is easier. I like this more than thinking. It's like, that's weird. It's a weird thing, but that's right. I mean, they, they don't stay like that, and it's wrong, yeah, yeah. so they don't yeah, keep yeah. it the same. Um, and then Ken basically like yells at Barbie, takes over her house, and kind of chews her out, and is like, yeah, you don't care about me. And you can see that he doesn't like that he's doing it. He doesn't want to do this to Barbie, but he feels like he kind of has to. And that's I think that says some stuff where you got to perform for it yeah. to keep your masculine energy up or whatever the hell. And so Barbie gives up, and they try to escape. The, the girl... The daughter and her mom try to escape or leave. And Alan tries to escape too. They don't though. Alan gets a fight scene. Alan gets a fight scene where he fights all the cans. It's a very funny joke where they're building a wall, but they're only building up. <laughs> yeah. It's like once they learn how to build out, we're never gonna escape. <laughs> John Cena is a Ken in this. He's the he's the Ken mermaid. Give me a brewski. <laughs> yeah, beer brewski. <laughs> yeah, they can say beer brewski. Very funny. Um, and other than they just turn on the Barbies back, and they turn the Kens against each other in a big war. It's like a Barbie resistance, yeah. which is fun, because it's all made up of, uh, like, discontinued Barbies. I guess that's why they're not affected. Yeah, not affected, they're not around. And Weird Barbie, who's weird, I guess. And then, obviously, Margot Robbie gets a pass, because she says probably because of her exposure to the real world or mm-hmm. whatever. And yeah, they, they bring everyone back around. And they turn the Kens against each other. They have a big beach war. Very funny. Led by Ken with Gravik? <laughs> that's right. Ben Kingsley, uh... Ed or whatever his name is. And he was there as a Ken. Similiu is like is like Ryan Gosling Ken's rival. He's probably they have like a fun relationship, but then they kind of come around at the end and they're yeah, buddies. They all become friends. They do a fun dance sequence. I was I, I thought liked it was it. great. Yeah, the beach war where they're like that song killing is very each other. Fun. Yeah, the, the whole song he's doing. Mm-hmm. But oh, he's just Ken. He's just Ken, but he's a ten out there. He's a ten. That's right. And he, I mean, Ryan Gosling very ripped in this. <laughs> he's very ripped. I noticed that too. Yeah. Um. So then it all ends. That Bobby's like, "We got you, Ken. You're done." And they're all kind of triumphant over him, and then he gets really upset, and he runs off. And then him and Barbie have a heart to heart, and he's like, he's like, I, I didn't actually want to do this. Once it stopped being about horses, I, I truly lost interest. <laughs> but I just kept doing it because, like, I needed something. Because she didn't pay attention to him, and she didn't acknowledge that he had feelings. and didn't want to talk to him. Mm-hmm. She was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. I'm real sorry about that. And then he keeps misreading it and keeps trying to get her. He's like, yeah. you got to stop doing that. Um, but yeah, that's... and the sort of revelation of all is like, you need to be you like kind of deserve to to actually have your own identity outside of barbie like you guys got to figure out what it means to be you mm-hmm. which is nice it's a good yeah. i think that's a good culmination yeah. to it barbie it's he's, he brings, he's like it's barbie and then and ken like i'm just yeah it's not side. barbie because he's like it's always just barbie and ken and she's like well maybe it's barbie and it's ken and he's like oh wow oh gotta be ken guys i am ken ken is me <laughs> <laughs> they all they all have the revelation that ken is me yeah and good for them i think so and then the ghost of the creator of Barbie appears. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ruth. Something or other. Ruth Handler, who invented Barbie and co-founded Mattel. Barbie encounters her ghost there in the in Mattel. And then she shows up again and she's like, hey, what, Barbie. What Ferrell knows about? Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, there's a ghost to her. He, his ghost has an office on the 17th floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's fun throughout it. Yeah. His, uh, you've, we mentioned we about Affleck, but his motivation is seemingly unclear. A little bit. Because he's not like... 
he's not really an antagonist. No, I don't think so. The antagonist is really society, I think. Well, it's society for sure. Yeah. Because when he gets there, what was it? Oh, it's like, well, so when after Ken um, takes over Barbie Land, Mattel is now selling, what's he called? Uh, the Ken Ken Mojo Dojo Casa House. Yeah. That's he, and they're like, he's like, they're like selling like hotcakes. And the one executive number two or whatever his name is, is like, oh, this is great, sir. What's the difference? We're still making money. And he's like, no, I didn't get into this. <laughs> he's like, you thought I'd spend half of my life in boardrooms for the money? I did it for the dreams of little girls in the least creepy way possible. <laughs> So he's about it. You know, yeah. He's an ally, which I liked. But he wants to put. It's it's a. But he also he does need Barbie to get back in the thing. It's so yeah. It's kind of it's, it's like I said. It is. I feel a little unclear whose side exactly he's on. But I guess he's just trying to keep order. Yeah. Keep but he's it. very funny. So yeah, he, he keeps it up. Like when he keeps <laughs> take off. I talk about the choir of two thousand young fathers. <laughs> yeah. At one point, he's like. Uh, so, like, because the Barbies came to our world, and now those humans going to Barbie land, he's like, these could have ramifications that none of our minds could, could even possibly imagine. <laughs> Beyond our own imagining, he's like, yeah, like... A podcast with the host of two wizened old trees and a choir of 2,000 fathers. <laughs> oh, which feels fun. very much like an improv line, because that... Sure. That's, I mean, a testament to their writing, if it's written, because that's very out of nowhere. I mean, you couldn't funny. imagine it. It's just yeah. a bizarre... There's something about that, though. Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff i think that uh tries to do the like haha so random absurd comedy mm-hmm. and you know to varying success you can't just say completely random shit like there is obviously timing and context to it all that makes it funny but i think that's a good joke oh it's a very good joke that's kind of random humor done well yeah i thought so it's set up correctly it's not mm-hmm. just like and a boat maybe it's like, what are you talking about uh but yeah and then barbie decides, goes with the ghost, and is like, I think I want to be human. She's like, can I? She's like, well, you don't got to ask me. Like, this is, this is your, you have free will. Like, this is your choice. Mm-hmm. Um, Love this scene. There's yeah. some really great, like, so there's the one where Barbie, it's towards the beginning when she's got to the real world, and um, she's like sitting on a park bench. Or well, she's not like a bus stop, but mm-hmm. she's like looking at a park and just seeing like, you know. The range of human emotions. Yeah, just the range of human experiences that are on display there. I thought that was really Really interesting. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is cool. You know, tells a lady that she's beautiful and she's like, yeah. I know. That's great. Humanity is oh. great, man. Sometimes, yeah. you know? Sometimes. It's, it's, and it's, again, that's like a, what a, what a dichotomy, right? Mm-hmm. Oppenheimer's about like the greatest sin mankind has ever committed, right? And Barbie's like, maybe toys can make you feel good. <laughs> and Barbie's like, humanity is, is worth, worth it, I think. Yeah. It's good to be human. It's like, yeah, emotions are nice. And I, and it's, and it's interesting how that, um, when that scene happens, because that in that scene, that is when Ken finds the patriarchy, kind of he figures yeah. out that he's respected. So it shows like a dichotomy where like they both see humanity, but Barbie kind of sees it as a whole. Mm. Like she sits there and is a passive observer and just sees everyone interacting kind of out there. When Ken like goes out and finds it, he finds a very specific thing and gets kind of trapped in it, which I think could be applied to people's own lives. Yeah. We get a lot of we get bogged down mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, absolutely, um, with the, the stuff like that. And then, like, there's, like, um, America Ferrara's uh, monologue. I thought it was incredible. Yes, about the, all the all the dichotomies you have to juggle being a woman. And I was like, just, listen. Oh, good. I don't I mean, you know, I don't know all that because of us being men's and whatnot. But I I was like, hell yeah, America Ferrara, you tell him. Get him. This movie, Jack, brought a couple tears out of me. It's powerful stuff. It really did. I was like, man, that is good. Yeah. Listen, I can't, like, relate to that exactly, but I still found that, like, powerful. I was like, yeah, it is hard, man. To make fun of Zack Snyder's Justice League, and, incredible. And, I mean, 
And one more. I mean, if this movie already wasn't great. That right there. <laughs> price of admission, right? Oh, yeah. Come on. Like, that's couldn't, I couldn't have dreamed it yet. That's a cherry on top. Beautiful. I, I can't believe I live in a world so funny. where J-, J. Robin Oppenheimer's biopic and Barbie the same day. And then he says, Death Destroy of Worlds while having sex with Florence Pugh. And then they make fun of just Sex and Justice League. I really get everything I want. What, what more could you possibly ask for? I it's wouldn't like the bear. Do. Yeah. I love how there's like a, a bunch of like clearly genuine, you know, real Hollywood writers and stuff who are good at their craft and they're just like making fun of Zack Snyder. Because fuck of course. Because <laughs> he's not a, he's not <laughs> or at the very least his, it's mostly the fans. Yeah. I think. They're, people don't actually care about Zack Snyder. I think it's most, it's obviously the online behavior of, of yeah. those particular fans. That's, mm-hmm. but come on. Can't get any Very good. That. Can't get any better than that. And then, yeah, when Barbie's like choosing to be a human and what and all that entails. And again, cause it's like, you know, you, she's gonna have to feel like pain and face death and like mortality and all that. Mm. Whereas a toy, she could live as an idea forever. And I was like, man, that's incredible. That's like, but again, it's worth it because like that's what you know. Mm. Life is worth living because life, you know, that's what yeah. it is. It's it's the thing. And I th- yeah, and I think uh, and I remember they mentioned how like um the reason Barbie has these thoughts is because she because of America. I, is she just called Mom? I feel bad. She's called Gloria. Gloria. Gloria is like putting her thoughts into her. But I really think that Barbie kind of had that deep inside her all along because mm-hmm. she says like, right? Yeah, has then, that. she's like, oh, it's today's the best day, and it'll always weird be Barbie the best says day. that. Yeah, because weird Barbie says like it takes you both. Mm-hmm. And yeah, even though they kind of resolve everything at the end, she chooses a new a new yeah. path in life, which yeah, incredible. Uh, I actually I really like Gloria's character, yeah. and, all, and the thing with the daughter again, the outfits are so fun. They, they get to switch outfits like six times. Oh as yeah, well, when they're they, Barbie they, Land, and they, they always get, have cool stuff. I was surprised we went back to Barbie Land like oh, really? so quickly. Like I thought we'd spend more time in the real world and uh-huh. resolve that, and then whatever Barbie would go back or wouldn't go back. But I'm glad we did. Like I'm glad we got to yeah, yeah. use everybody, and they get to go to Barbie Land and have sure. all the, the kind of fun yeah. that that entails. Because I liked that, even though again some of those things that they that like Sasha was saying about Barbie, right, mm-hmm. are maybe valid. It's also nice that Gloria there. She just has this genuine love for Barbie and, and what it represents. And that is like the good side of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's the more idealized nature of it. I was like, she actually did take those, all the good messages from it. Like that you could do anything and, and stuff. Um, and that's cool. Right. Like, again, I think those are both valid viewpoints. You know, there's again, there's nothing that's like completely good or completely bad. That's just, that's life, man. But I think that's cool. Oh yeah. Her, uh, her like joy in seeing it all is very infectious. Oh, indeed. I really thought that, so when Barbara decides to be human, I thought that she'd like be born again, like as yeah. like, a baby, and like enters a soul. But she just like turns into a human from a, to- a toy, and like lives in the real world. And the end of the movie is, is a fun little yeah. um, mis- um, that's not misdirect misdirection. That's a little bit of misdirection. Yeah, I was trying to think subversion is the word I was looking for. Um, because when you think like she's getting dropped off by Gloria and her family, her and Sasha and her the husband or her dad and her husband, uh. And she's like, all right, you know, like, we're so proud of you. Go get them. She's like, oh, thanks, guys, for all your help. She's all dressed nice and they're at a building. And you're like, oh, she's getting, like, her first job. We're going to an interview and, like, starting the process of, like, being a person. And it's just a gynecologist. Yes. Which I think is, is even more fitting than having a job because all Absolutely. Barbies have jobs. Yeah. But they don't, they said they don't have genitalia. Very funny. And it's more like a dredge day-to-day human thing. Yeah, exactly. But she's so excited about it. <laughs> yeah, she can't. She's like, oh. I love the kind of college, which from my from what I understand, nobody likes. <laughs> I don't think so. That's the joke, right? Yeah. Said so to her, it is this novel new experience, but most people would be like, "Ooh, gotta go to that lady." I thought it was sick. I love this movie a lot. Very good. 
More than I expected, because I guess I was actually successfully poisoned against it by some of those takes I've seen. I was like, oh, maybe it isn't as good as we were thinking. It's I was be. a little worried, too. They're wrong. They These guys are wrong. assholes. Just like <laughs> Indiana Jones 5. That's right. Those, they're wrong, Jack. They don't know what they're talking about, all right? Barbie for a billion. A billion for Barbie. Let's go, baby. And again, Mission Impossible wasn't even that good. They don't think that's good. What's going on? Tom Cruise saved Hollywood, though. Up is down and left is right. The world's gone mad, Jack. Yeah. Well, good thing we'll never have any movies after the summer. Well, then we don't have to worry about it much, do we? <laughs> no. No, but we got Blue we Beetle get, coming out. We get Blue out. Beetle. Maybe Dune's never coming out now. Or next really? Year, no, not never, but they might delay Dune to next year. Oh, to like... Which I don't really understand what the difference, difference is. Oh, I think for Warner Brothers in particular, it's because they're having three movies come out this fall. Or summer, or winter, rather, I mean. like yeah. It's like December. I think it goes Dune. Wonka. I don't think it's Wonka. One of them's color purple, and there's another big movie. A bold retelling of a classic tale. <sighs> what is that about? Weird. <laughs> but um, they have three big movies coming out within like like one, two, three mm. in December. Which December has like in the past become something of a hotbed for big movie releases because of the exact fact that it never did have a lot of movies coming out. Like it was empty yeah. space in a lot of ways. But the more and more people capitalize on it, that. As, as, like, as anything, it'll shift back yeah. the other way. Especially if the same studio puts out three. Right on that area. What are you doing? Why would you do any so, of that? It probably just makes sense from that perspective as much as it is you know, anything strike related. To be mm-hmm. like, well, we want content for next year because we're not going to have as much. And yeah, when you have three movies coming out within a month, you can probably... Stretch them out a little bit. But what are, what are we doing? Who knows? Uh, so we got anything else to say about Barbie? Specifically? I don't think so. Everyone's great in it. Yeah, Again, it looks great. really cool. Like, it's the type of movie where I would love to, I think I'll probably own it, just because it's the type of one you you really just like to watch. I'd definitely watch just it again. Just look at everything. Again, it come, like, it'll although, come out on Max, I assume. Uh-huh. At some point. So probably. I'll probably watch it again. Yeah, maybe that maybe something about, like, again, because there is that Lego kind of thing. Even though I don't care about Barbie, I'm a collector of toys and things sometimes. I just, again, I think it's really cool. It's, again, in a very similar way to the Lego movie, just the way they faithfully, like, recreated this stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It's dope. Oh, it's a sick movie. Time. Good for the fellas too, I think. Yeah. Listen, if you go see this movie and you're offended by like them talking about the patriarchy too much, I mean, what do you? What does that tell you? What does that yeah. say? If you're offended, if you're offended, they make fun of you for liking The Godfather and explaining it. I think you're the you're the one they're making fun of. Because <laughs> I mean, it 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 does exist. Yeah. The patriarchy is a thing. Maybe it's not. And again, part of the joke in this movie is that they don't understand. They don't understand it either. It's not exactly. But yeah. There's obviously something there. Yeah, exactly. Like they make they make joke. Like the, I guess the joke that probably people would grab to would be like, "Oh, we're better at hiding it now." That's <laughs> yeah. a joke that probably those people would be like, "See, they're, they're that's what they think." It's like, yeah. Well, fucking. I like the joke when they first get there, like right away, and Ken's like basking in all this attention he's getting because again, people in Barbie attention. Land doesn't really don't. No one gives a shit about the Kens, mm-hmm. but they get there and everyone's like staring at him because he's he's attractive and stuff, and then Barbie's all like. I don't know. It's like feels weird. And, he's, and Ken's like, "There's no underlying threat of violence." Yeah. He's like, "I feel a threat of violence." There's, there's definitely an underlying threat of violence in mind. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're we gonna again. Are we gonna pretend that's not real? Like, yeah. Uh, obviously, women face stuff like that. I mean, so. somebody literally smacks her ass. Yeah, yeah. and she punches him in the face. Assaulted. She gets him immediately. Basically. Yeah, good. I do like the construction worker guys <laughs> who were kind of respectfully catcalling. Almost. Yeah, almost. <laughs> and then they're like, "We don't have." I don't have a giant, or he doesn't have a penis, and they're like, "Hey, that's okay. That's all right. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> it's totally fine." Weirdly progressive cat callers. 
That's kind of funny. funny. All right, so we'll probably well, I take out of that into want to do uh, Ben. Kingsley. Oh, it's Aquaman two. Aquaman two is getting delayed. Oh my god, and Wonka. Oh shit. Okay, Dune two was actually November, so it goes Wonka, then the next week Aquaman, then the next week the Color Purple. That's insane. Too much, right? Three and again, great especially movies? if November Dune has already launched in November, then what do you like? At some point, you're just eating your own uh, tail there. Yeah, well, yeah, but they're not known for their great business decisions. Warner, no. You trying to tell me that Warner Brothers Discover is making poor dis- the business decisions? When I think, I think so. Name, name if you could name me off the top of your head fifteen poor business decisions. <laughs> oh, I only can think of fourteen. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been foiled. All right, well I can take out of that then. Into what do you want to do now? Secret Invasion, Sunny. Sure, we'll do our weekly touches here. All right, so Secret Invasion episode five. It's the penultimate one. You know, we're we're gathering our forces. Everyone's getting together. So we can do the thing. We can do the final episode. So we can do the final episode. Of this fucking whatever. So, I don't know. There's some good stuff in here. I like the interactions with Gaia and... Uh, v- such as the V, I think. Yeah. Vanessa? No. It's a scut roll name. It's a silly alien name, but... Well, I meant her... What's her human name? I was talking about Fury's wife. What's her That's name? what I'm talking about, too. Yeah. Oh. Such as the V, I think. Regardless... <laughs> <laughs> they have some fun scenes. They bury her dad. He's actually officially dead, which Fucking is upsetting. They killed Ben Mendelsohn. What the they fuck? They actually just killed him. I don't know why he... He has, like, the most... It, it, why does shit do this all the time? Because I feel like he had the, like... He had a less um, sort of definitive... Like, I don't know. He, his death of, of a number of the deaths in this show felt the most, like, open-ended. The most kind of... Oh, yeah. Plausibly, like, alive. And that's the... But he actually does stay dead. That's the one they're like, you know, for sure. He's gone. Right. But, and I mean, they literally burn his body, so that feels pretty yeah. conclusive. Harvest, I don't think there's going to be any, like... Actually, I'm back because of, uh, yeah. I've returned to a super scroll. But maybe, I guess. Who knows? Yeah. Um, they're a bit catty. I like Fury's wife. I do think she's a good character. Oh, yeah. Good wife to him, because she doesn't take, doesn't take any shit from him. I really like the part where she's like, guy basically calls her and like, oh, does he actually like you for being a scroll or just for being... And she's like... And then she's like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean that. And she's like, yeah, you did. Yeah, you think you know everything, don't you? Because you're young. I get it. Listen, I get it. Um, I liked, we both really liked, what's her name in this? Olivia Coleman. She was great. She does some she's great spy fun. stuff. She's, she's a big shoot first, ask questions later in this. She uh, this, She's very fun. That, her boss is a scroll and just shoots him in the leg. She's like, well, there's no policy for killing scrolls yet for us. <laughs> so I'm going to take my policy and just kill you. That's very good. She like gets some scroll scientists. Just domes one in the head. I think I think the other one is a human. Which one's a human? The woman. I, I the, thought they were both scrolls because they were both in on it. Maybe. I maybe. They, what, regardless. Yeah. She blasts that scroll on the head. That's pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, just gets rid of him. He's like, I got, I got. I'm not gonna let you take her. And he's like, she's like, yeah, okay. Sorry, this is going bang. <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, that's a murder. It's all the podcasts are about. And very funny lines. <laughs> oh yeah, about a, like I wouldn't expect scroll males to be any different. <laughs> yeah, they all get mad and they try to kill you and. Uh, Nick Fury does a bit of a Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah, I like the gunfight that uh, Guy and her get into as well. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm glad. I just glad we get more guy, uh, guy stuff because I felt like it was very lacking in the beginning yeah, she, of the show. She, there's a little bit in the middle there. Where I feel like they weren't using her for anything. But now yeah. that Gravic, or uh, not Gravic, Talos is, Talos is dead. dead. Then she gets to yeah slide on in and be the be the new one, which is pretty cool, I guess. Which makes I mean, it sucks they killed Talos, but I think for the purpose of the story. It makes sense, because Guy kind of has to be the in-between between yeah. her father and Gravik. I wonder if she will be in the Marvels, because her and uh, I hope. Monica are like buddies, right? Uh Oh, yeah, I like think in, so. Like in, uh, in Captain Marvel, I think they would like, 
was like a, I think it's just like a background scene thing, but they're like chatting, which is kind of fun. Oh yeah, since she talks to Squirrel at the end of WandaVision, is that Gaia? Does she? Yeah, right at the end. At the end of WandaVision? Yeah, she, she talks to a squirrel. I think so. She goes to the movie theater and there's a squirrel there. If if I don't memory this. serves, I don't remember this at all. Well, I hope I'm right. Nah, I take your word for it. Ah, thank God. Uh, they try to kill Gravik. We're all That's a place. pretty good scene, actually, yeah. as well, fight-wise. They could have brought guns. I don't know why there's no guns involved or any weapons, frankly. Skrullos has common-sense gun, lo- gun laws. <laughs> New Skrullos has <laughs> the fucking terrorist haven. Literal, like, global terrorists trying to uh, literally exterminate humankind. Common-sense gun laws. That's why they're common-sense, because even the terrorists use them. <laughs> but, uh... They get a plastic bag. They do the John Wick thing. It's pretty good. I, it's a pretty good fight scene. The Teddy Sledgehammers. They don't obviously don't win because he's a super scroll and he's got the tree powers. We've only seen two of the powers. Aren't there like two more supposedly? Yeah. It's like the frost giant. I don't, yeah. Else. What would the frost giant thing be? Freezy breath, perhaps. Maybe freezy breath. That's what you would think, isn't it? Yeah. It's pretty cool though. Yeah, know it. And maybe now they get Avengers, or they're gonna get Avengers. I don't know because he get, seems to have secured it. Yeah, he's got. It's only this little vial. That's, I like, guess. Are they right? all mixed together in one? That's, that's about that DNA a, works. That's, don't worry about it. That's true. So he's after the harvest, and we find out the harvest. It, we, at first, we were like, "Oh, is the harvest just the Battle of New York Avengers?" Because those are like what you most close. That's when I associate Nick Fury having the most sort of involvement with that involvement with the Avengers. So I was like, "Okay, it's like yeah, Battle of New York era Avengers when he was like had a direct hand in them." But no, he just because I mean he's Nick Fury. Of course, he didn't really need that to to get it done. Is that after the Battle of Earth? In Endgame. In Endgame, he, he sent people there to get all their DNA, because they all had DNA. Yeah. He said pretty much every single one of them bled, which makes sense. Even Carol Danvers. And, like, that's... Pre- I mean, she's probably the most powerful Avenger, right? Mm, Other than maybe Scarlet Witch is yeah. up there. But um, the question, I guess, becomes how much of this stuff is connected to DNA, really? But I don't think... I'm probably overthinking probably it. Probably just... Uh, in that way. Yeah. Although some of them have to be useless. Ant-Man? Like Black Widow, Ant-Man... Iron Man, Hawkeye, their their DNA isn't worth anything. Maybe Spider Man would be good. Yeah, Spider Man, that's a good one, actually. Captain, Amer- Captain oh, America, Hulk, perhaps. Hulk, probably. Yeah, again. Rock Raccoon, useless. Based off a comic, yeah. <laughs> he appears to be a raccoon. <laughs> I think we've got a raccoon. Well, I can climb like my power. <laughs> and just got herself a wall and is like in I a want, dumpster. I want trash, yeah. I really want to eat trash. Is anybody else feeling the urge to eat trash? It's like washing all his food. <laughs> God, it's not clean. But uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's fine. It just continues to be fine. Yeah. They have another, they have like the weekly um, conversation about like history where the Nick Fury just sits down and they just have a chat about, he kind of monologues for a bit about something historical or whatever. That relates to the scrolls in some way. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Overall, they t- it, will, it continues to be yeah. good. Yeah. Olivia enough. Coleman mentions like, why don't we have any Avengers? He's like, can't use the Avengers. Because it's just personal. Still, that's dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Again, they said that from the right at the beginning when he's all like, well, I can't call the scrolls because this is my, or I can't call the Avengers because this is my, I think. Don't do that. Don't That's dumb. Just let him help you. You really, you really ought to, though. Hey, I buddy, you're out of your depth. It, it could not hurt to call the Avengers. But... Yeah, surely. That's fine. He reveals to her that his Rody's, wife's a scroll And Rhodey's a scroll. Yeah, and Rhodey's a scroll. So I guess we'll kill Scroll Rhodey. I want to know what happened to real Rhodey, though. Scrolly. He's probably Scrolly. he's probably in the basement of New Scrolls. He's probably just in the basement. And then they'll be... Oh, yeah. They're all in the basement of New Scrolls, yeah. aren't they? There's like a million people down there. So a lot of people. I guess those are all the people they've replaced. How do they stay alive? Oh, don't worry about it. It's true. Um, they're probably those... gonna get like I would like I I hope we get an answer as to when the switch happened because there's a lot of people who are like oh has Brody been a scroll the whole time highly doubt that yeah absolutely not also he's like he was crippled for a minute there so I don't know the scrolls were like I gotta cripple myself yeah I don't think that would have I yeah I don't think that would make sense maybe I don't know also like 
there's some people who are theorizing that that's why he <laughs> that's why it's Don Cheadle and not Terrence Howard is that he was replaced between Iron Man movies, which is such a stupid theory because it implies that like they actually do look different, but no one in the movies noticed. Uh, yeah, the whole point like, is the scrolls <laughs> look the same. So that would be very dumb. And maybe a little racist. I, well, I think it might border on that. Yeah. What a stupid thing to say. That's basically what Ike Perlmutter said, right? Yeah. So well, I was like, they will never, no one can tell. They're all the same. What did you think of the of the uh, world-shattering cameo in this one? I was so blown away, I didn't know what the fuck it was. <laughs> I didn't know who this was. Just some I guy who just talks shit to Nick Fury. I would never have known. And then you were like, this is someone. And I was like, who? Who could this possibly be? And it's the guy on the uh, the guy who helps Nick Fury out, gets him on the plane, is uh from the end of Black Widow. The movie everybody loved. Mm-hmm. We all saw. We all saw it. We saw it, then we had to get back to the movies. We ha- If we didn't... Someone set off the fire alarm, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah! That's the first theater theatrics. Yep. Uh, no theater theatrics this week. But though. I don't even think he's named in this one or in Black Widow. So how could anyone know? You really would just have to be like, ah, this guy was in a... Yeah, that movie three years ago for 20 seconds. Oh my god, that was three years ago. Oh, Jesus. But yeah, there he is. And he's just an asshole. He's just like kind of just a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's alright though. Yeah, that's alright, I guess. No Avengers, we need this fucking guy to show good, up. Good for him. I mean, I guess it's cooler than it not being anyone, but in, may as well. in the slightest of ways. <laughs> right, right, right. It's just for fun, I guess. So far I go, hmm. Huh. I guess that's neat. Neat. <laughs> he's alright. Listen, he's okay. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. God bless Get him. Get him some work. Uh, we do some scroll religion. That's fun. Obviously we burn him. Yeah, they they burn him, I guess. Do some prayer. That's cool. Do they have wood on scrollos? Sure. And then at the end, um, they go to another grave. How many graves this man got? A hundred thousand. And it turns out he literally just says he's got a bunch, which good, good enough. Dead men need options. That's fine. I'm I'm okay with that. I wonder what's in the one from the Winter Soldier. I don't know if there's anything good in there. It's like a like a gummy. Because that one wasn't like a stash as much as that one. He needed to. That's like a, the real real one, I guess, in, in the sense that he needed that one to be. He's legit. actually pretending that he's in there to be dead. So, mm. but yeah, that's the one that's got the Pulp Fiction reference on. Oh yeah, it does. It's the path of the righteous man. Um, but he does his uh, he gets to have his like the end of every superhero movie where the superhero gets to actually earn the costume and put it all on, and he puts on all his costume. <laughs> he but gets his eye patch, he gets his trench coat, and he gets his hand one handgun. <laughs> it's it's just there's such a big box, and it's one handgun. The peak of the peak of spycraft in this series is when you put a one handgun in a box somewhere, <laughs> and you have to go through an elaborate series of events to open it <laughs> to retrieve one handgun. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> you know what was so dumb about that too is that we saw in this episode that in the Fury Residence they have like shotguns, big and... yeah, like tons of equipment and bulletproof gear and shotguns and pistols there. So why did she need to go to that the safety knows? deposit box to again? Well, I think I one hand. I think the safety deposit box is Gravix. Uh, whatever. That's what I think because that's why she puts it back because it's like Gravix needs you to get something. It's a handgun to kill your husband. Nah, in hindsight, know. thinking it's it's that, um, still dumb though. Not super clear. Just be easier to use the handgun you got at home already. Yeah, if you were gonna do it, it's like oh, here, you Nick Fury wife. One thing you don't have a weapon. <laughs> what? Graphic, you know Nick Fury very well. So that's the whole conceit of the story. Yep. <sighs> but yeah, the finale is next week. I right, I think the biggest like thing that's gonna sort of linger with me about this movie or this series is just how I think largely irrelevant it's going to end up being yep it's gonna be nothing and to think our sh- we when our show started we were like secret invasion is gonna be great I'm fucking idiots everyone's gonna be in it and now we get this 
And we're not getting Young Avengers also. So nothing we... There's no chance we're getting Young Avengers. They're all going to be 30 before they get... They, it's If anything, it's just going to be like a different Avengers team of some kind. I mean, yeah. they'll probably be... I think that has to appear in some incarnation, right? Yeah. I mean, the pieces are all there, as I've outlined many times. Like she looked at Kevin Feige. Remember, I just turned around and looked at him. There's got to be something. If even maybe it's just it'll turn out in like one of the upcoming thing, like maybe in Kang Dynasty or something. They will have like a sub team. Although we're at a point in the MCU right now where like the Avengers barely seem to exist. Exist. So whatever. All right. Well, should have just called Captain Marvel though. That would have taken care of things. Lickety split. Yeah. Hey, Captain Marvel, fly over there and break Gravik's neck for me, <laughs> would you? Kill him with your lasers. Just could you just do that? To save the whole planet? Yeah. Right. Captain Marvel, use, we'll use your influence as the savior of the scrolls to like get to take away from Gravik's forces and also kill him. Do you want to just pivot out of that into a little bit of trailers then? Because oh, we did get a new trailer for the Marvels this what a, week. What an absolutely incredible... That's probably the smoothest transition ever. That's the smartest thing we've done on this show, I think. Glad you called attention to it. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, but yeah. Looks so, pretty good. I think this movie's going to be good. I'm sure there's a lot I'm, of people. I mean, well, there are. Are you sure? We know. <laughs> Lots of people who hate Captain Marvel because she's a woman, and hated Ms. Marvel because also a woman, and but not only that, not white. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then probably hate Monica Rambeau because she's also a woman and not white. So because the people are just the worst. There's, I'm sure there'll be no end to this, but um, I think this will actually be fun. I'll put so it do good I. One. I think it's an interesting premise. They I think so too. Keep yeah. swapping. They can't use their powers. Um, and it's it really is like an interesting it, on like a character level. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting team, right? Like there's interesting dynamics between them. It's like three levels. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Like the fact that Carol and Monica are gonna have this thing of like, hey, you're like my you're aunt. like my aunt, kind of. And but you just kind of left. And you never came back. And then my mom died of cancer, and you weren't even there for that. Yeah, so and then I was snapped away, and I as as I fell asleep, I was my disappeared. mom died with no one. one. What do you think of that? Any thoughts? <laughs> comments? And then you have Kamala Khan who's just like, I'm just so happy to be here. I'm so... Everyone's here. I'm going to space. I think this will be really cool. Yeah. I think those... I Again, not just like a Flash and, you know, whatever. Marvel spectacles. Not, like, I think that's genuine character stuff that could be mm-hmm. interesting on a character level. Yeah, and it's, it's a lot of connective tissue. It's going to be great. We get to see Kamala's family again. Always mm-hmm. fun. They're yeah. always a fun time, even though the dad actor committed sexual assault. Maybe a fifteen-year-old. I looked. That's from a couple years ago. That's true. How how far did it? Well, a couple years ago. Uh, I think it was like t- uh, 2013, 2014. Like before he was in the before show. Before he's in the show. How's that? Go? Is he still in this? I think so. Okay. As far as I understand, at least at least he's in the Marvels. I don't know right. after the Marvels. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's distressing yeah. to hear. Actors are terrible. Don't trust actors. Well, most people are can be terrible. Everyone like can be Jay terrible. Robert Oppenheimer. It's all yeah. come full circle. God, we're so we're on top of it this episode. People can be terrible. I we mean, are so back. I'm sure we engage in in stuff that is reminiscent of like celebrity worship on here inadvertently sometimes. Although I think we do it I'd like to think we do it mostly ironically a lot of the time. Everybody hopes they do it ironically. But I don't actually like any of these people cuz I don't know them. No. And that's just that's a really like safe position to take. I like their work. I like their work. But don't you just you can never be surprised if you just don't put that much stock into these individuals you've never known and probably exactly. never will. That's why I say uh, That's a, an, an incredible point to make. Um, but we see the other bangle comes into play in this yes. um, thing. So, Miss Marvel, cool. well, Marvel was worth it. A lot of people are like, I have seen though that this pointed out that this will kind of be like notable and like maybe a make or break kind of thing for the MCU to be like, okay, this is a, this is a Marvel movie that 
references the show directly. But two of them, maybe. Yeah. You could make the argument that this doesn't work without WandaVision or Ms. Marvel. and Ms. Marvel. And is that a commitment that anyone's cared to, to make? make? And I we've talked about this a lot, the whole like interconnected nature of the MCU and how long that can run its course kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's... The thing we've always kind of said, and I still believe this to mostly be true, is that even in terms of the movies, a lot of... I mean, again, like I said before, fans aren't really the primary... Or not the only market, at least, that you're trying to capitalize on something like this. Mm-hmm. All of these movies have always appealed to a massive audience, audience which is why they make so much money and stuff. So not everyone who sees these cares about the whole... TV all shows. the details. And I'm sure the movie will do a decent enough job explaining. Yeah, because they'll, they'll definitely explain, like, her bangle, because that's the... Because we see that like they're connected somehow, mm-hmm. so they'll probably they'll probably give the broad strokes. Yeah, and she'll be like, "This is my bangle. I got it from my blah blah blah." And we could blah, 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 blah. I went back in time somehow. Don't worry about that. And I saw someone pointed out. And I thought this was actually kind of neat. Is that like it very much? Uh, it's like the comics in that way, right? Yeah. I mean, comics and to people who don't read comics, it's like the most impenetrable <laughs> like even uh, art form ever. media that exists. Maybe. Yeah is trying to read superhero comics because they are all so interconnected and without fail, especially nowadays in the big event era, that if you try to pick up a comic and just read it because you're into a character, you will inevitably have massive, important things occur that you have no context for. No context for in different comics, in different characters' comics, in crossover comics, and it's it's very difficult to do. So I think that's a kind of fun. That is an interesting observation that, like, the, the MCU is becoming more like that itself, Comics. which is, that's fine. Yeah. And in the same kind of way, you can mostly still get your way through it, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to actually read all of the crossover stuff every time, necessarily. And you, you know, but it's one of those things where if you care to, then You're it good. adds more depth. But. Yeah, get more out of it. Yeah. Uh, so, who, the villain is some princess, right? Something like that. Some... She is probably Kree, right? Like, I she's another... So. Like Ronan the like, Accuser, yeah. I guess. Yeah. With her hammer, kind of using Power Stone ability, because it's purple and it destroys stuff. I don't think it's exactly the Power Stone, because we know that's canonically gone. But but she's got it. She's got Ronan's hammer, and she's got the other bangle. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Some kind of light. They, everyone has light-based abilities. She has some kind of grudge against Captain Marvel for some reason. We'll be explored. She calls her a big destroyer, but it, that probably means that she comes from some bad guys. That... <laughs> Captain Marvel had to destroy for being bad. Probably. No, yeah. Knowing a Marvel movie? Probably. Yeah. Um, I doubt Captain Marvel just did like a big genocide, genocide on, the, on a whim. Yeah, yeah, I doubt that. So I was like, oh, I'm kind of bored. Let's kill a whole planet of people. Yeah, I doubt it was anything to that effect. So mm-hmm. that'll be interesting to see play out. Again, I I'm, I'm really am most interested to see like the dynamics between these characters play out. I, I really do think that's super mm. interesting because they're going to have that grudge. And again, also just like Kamala's enthusiasm is very fun. They're going to go all across space. They do a little space romp. Uh, nothing. We need a little good space romp. Absolutely. It's uh, one of the, it's, I guess this will be one of the first kind of, other than Guardians, right, which is cosmic, but this is like, you know, having Earth-bound heroes going to space. go cosmic. Except really. for a little bit in the beginning of Endgame, but that's only sure, like, sure. a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Or all of, actually, most out of Endgame. A bit, actually, that's a good point. That is a good point. Yeah. But that's also time travel stuff. Yeah, it doesn't really count. Diff- it's different. Absolutely. Or Infinity War, because, but you go down here. Yeah. So maybe there's more than we expect, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I like that there's that big pot of uh, goose kind of creatures, ki- kids. Yeah, the, the, are they the Flurgan? The Flurgans. That's, that's going to be a bit of a Chekhov's cat. Yeah, oh yeah. 
A Schrodinger's gun, a Chekhov's cat. The Lego set was revealed, and it has, like... Oh, it's been a while since we've had one of those. And they have, uh... It comes with, like, goose and a couple kittens, and I was like, that'll be fun. Oh, yeah. It's gonna be, uh... Probably gonna eat It's them. one of the... It's, I, I gotta say, though, it's one of the worst value Lego sets that they've ever put out, so... Oh, I love that. It's, like, $90 for, like... Oh, Jesus. Well, that's not in and of itself anything, right? So, I'll spend on something. What? I think. Not on... Uh... I think Jake, you'd be, you might be shocked. I know. I often around this am. room. Then no, I I try not to. <laughs> I think about that. I'm like, it's a lot. That's why I couldn't get into Lego. I I I, I fair enough. And that's and there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with getting into Lego. Just me personally. But it's like ninety dollars for like four hundred something pe- pieces. I think. Which for the uninitiated, the good ratio is about ten cents per piece. So like basically, if you take you know ten cents per piece, so ten pieces for a dollar. So basically, you can divide the the piece count by ten to get the dollar amount. Mm-hmm. So that don't make sense. So a a nine hundred piece yeah, set would 90, be ninety. A ninety dollar set would ideally be nine hundred pieces, but it's almost fifty dollars more per piece. Yeah, it's it's rough. Also, it's kind of weird. Yeah, give me an image. Only I'll see it though. The listeners will have to imagine. Imagine a bad Captain Marvel set. It's called the Hoopty. The Hoop. What? It's called the Hoopty. I guess that's the name of this. Is it a this, bad tiki bar this ship? Oh, that sucks. <laughs> that's really bad. That's a stupid looking ship. I mean, it's probably their <laughs> ship. That's a terrible ship. And the, I guess the mini, kind of like comedy figures, fun. Yeah. I mean, all of their mini awful. And again, it's for that ninety dollars for that. It's four hundred and twenty pieces, ninety dollars. It's almost double. Actually, that's like exactly double, right? No, forty five would be double. But right, right, right. Really close though. Yeah. Again, more than you would like. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. But it does come with goose and two kittens. Dukes and then though, I have goose from the other Captain Marvel set, so. So you now you have two gooses, is what you're saying. Also disappointing is that it's it's um like beginning of the movie, Carol Danvers, not end, end of the movie. movie. Which is that that's something we see in this trailer. Mm-hmm. New costume. I think that looks really sick. Yeah. It's a really simple. I think it's design. a really simple yeah, and that's I think a strong suit of it. Mm-hmm. If I had one complaint, it's that too simple? It's too no no, it's too dark colors colors wise. Mm, yes. Like it's very deep red and blue. It almost looks black in some Parts, but I think it is red and blue, like her thing. And I think that was probably to distinguish her more from Kamala, who, you know, pretty much already has her color scheme, naturally. It's literally based on her. Yeah. But still, I don't know. Wish it was a little brighter. But it's, yeah, it's a very comic accurate kind of costume. And again, I think it's a really good translation, like keeping it pretty simple. Because a lot of people complain that, like, MCU costumes in particular. Too much texture. Yeah, can have a tendency to get a little overly complicated and textured, and why we all need all these bits and bobs and weird lines and piping all over everyone's comics and uh, costumes. And, and I think there is some merit to that. Merit to that, but I also think uh, you need a little bit of texture. I think you can go too far because some of the really simple ones look weird in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Oh yeah, I think like, so. They look too like flat. the original Superman ones. Yeah, those just look too flat. Too much. Like it doesn't have to look exactly like a comic book. Yeah. It just at some point it just looks like you're wearing a cheap costume and not something a real superhero would wear, I guess. Yeah, it's not tactical in any way. But yeah, it's very it's very reminiscent of original Captain like like Marvel, who mm. is doesn't exist really in the MCU. Well she's what's her name? The old lady in Oh. Yes. In Captain Marvel? Yeah. I don't remember her name. But I know I remember who you're talking about. Yeah. She is Marvel technically in this universe, but so that means the costume's up for grabs, baby. Ooh. So she's getting it, which I, again, I think it's a cool choice. So definitely good time had by all. Woo. Trash cash, pretty cash, pretty cash. I, I I really think it's a, a good joke, or I don't even is that even a joke? I never know what a joke. We do this sometimes. Right? <laughs> What's a joke? But I do like the bit where uh, Kamala learns what 
goose is. Oh, yes. Because, of course, she would just think it's a cat, and then it's horrifying. A horrifying, abominable creation. I think it's good delivery by Amon Valani there. And she's great. Yeah, I think I think she's funny. She's as good as Captain. Apparently, she was gushing over Samuel Jackson. I mean, you would. I've seen people be like, uh, does anyone think she's kind of annoying? I don't know, man. Can you just let... Hey, man, I bet if Maybe you, a little. Aren't we all I bet if you liked our movies and they cast you and you have to play with Samuel Jackson, you'd be happy too. Piece Come of on. shit. I'm pointing at you for of emphasis, but... Yeah. Apparently, like, when the first day he was there, they met or whatever, she, he, like, she, like, hid behind the director for a minute and then, like, eventually worked up the courage and was like, wow, what, what did they say she, he asked her about? Or she asked him about? Pulp Fiction. <laughs> it was... It might I don't think it was Pulp Fiction. It was some other movie he's been in, though, you know? Like, it wasn't even Marvel stuff. She just wanted to know, like... Snakes on a plane, perhaps? It was like a fl- yeah, it was probably Jack. It was almost a surely snakes on a plane. <laughs> find it. You find it? Okay. I don't know. Maybe there's. I, maybe it doesn't actually say. <laughs> maybe it was a lie. It's a big lie. Let's say she asked peppered him with questions. I just don't know if that'll probably come up in the press tour. Was about. I just made that up in my mind. But it also saw that like people apparently on set even they were asking um her questions about things because she does know the lore so well. I don't know. She just that's fun, man. Yeah. I think they really ought to make better use of her. I mean, they're doing good so far, but I think she really could be like one of the big players going forward because oh, she absolutely. likes it so much. She's down for it. They can really. She doesn't have to pretend like the rest of these people are doing all like the Harrison Ford. Yeah, like. But honestly, you should make put use her of and that. Harrison Ford interviews, and she's good. She's very good in these. Yeah. So I think you should make use of that. Can't wait. I mean, I love that joke. Harrison Ford was saying like just people asking him about Marvel lore, and when he does the press for. Brave New World, and he's looking at them with the sullenness of faces. <laughs> it's gonna be so good. Being like, Why Especially because he's the that? most ridic- He's one of the most ridiculous characters. Yeah, he's, he's the Red Hulk. Red Hulk. Oh, it'll be so good. Uh, maybe he's into me. He's like, I, I love being the Red. It was fun. <laughs> um, other trailer. We got Invisible, Invisible, Invincible season two trailer. We finally know when that's coming out. So like oh, yeah. a million billion years, a kajillion years. Uh, I mean, it looks pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> this trailer was mostly about who is in it. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird. <laughs> marketing for it pretty like scatter shot just kind of vague clips of mark existing some plot stuff some very vague plot stuff like, like he's gonna continue to be, be a superhero. <laughs> some viltrumite stuff with the council of planets Fucking optimus prime <laughs> yeah peter cullen it's cool yeah it's cool uh, get into the more space stuff with this i think they've said it's either this one or the next season when they're going to get into the multiversal stuff of invincible which people were like oh more multiverse but well there's there's a very uh well, first, well, yeah. First of all, they did it, you know, in the comic years ago when he's writing it, and also it's a little bit different. It's very different. It's not, yeah. It's it's put to good effect, and it's not just it's it's. Uh, I saw someone point out like the sort of way that like the Spider Verse movies are good, and like everything ever all at once is good, whereas like the Flash is just nothing because it's not. Instead of being like, look at all the different universes with different like stuff in them, it's more like look at all the different U's. Yeah. And there's something more compelling about that, like personal side of things, which yeah. is what and especially, Invincible does. Yeah, especially based on the fact, based on like how the first season ended. It's very interesting. Is like what different path can Mark take if his father is Omni Man? Like that's inherently very interesting. Mm-hmm. So it plays more with that. Uh, it took a million bajillion years to get this season with a snarky little guys. It takes forever to do animation. You got Listen. a storyboard and you got a pencil or whatever the fuck. And I know that animation really is hard. And they do all the crunch and stuff, and it can be a rough industry, so all the love to them, but... Friend of the show, Jeff, is training animation. He knows... The Give them more money. Just hire more people. Like, that's... I'm not saying, like, these guys need to work more. I'm yeah. saying the studios need to just buck up. It's Amazon. They have... They, they can do it. And again, they they spent a billion any, dollars on Lord of the Rings. They don't want to pay anyone, so... This show's better than Lord of the Rings. I'll Absolutely. I'll say that. So, if you peel off some of the money for that, 
just make a better show. That's all you got to do. That's it's really that simple. So simple, Jeff Bezos. How do you so, not know? You business genius, maybe. So I don't know, but again, it's all it's very annoying to me. I've I've we've brought it up ad nauseum on here, right? But TV shows take forever. I told you, I told you the other day. I honestly worry sometimes that I'm losing, faith. I'm losing faith in the in the very concept. Hey, you're right. You're, then you're gonna join me because before we did the show, I really didn't watch that much TV. I mean, I still don't think we do. Yeah. It really depends how you quantify that, mm. because streaming is, is such a different kind of different beast version of it. Yeah, it's a different beast entirely. Because when I hear think of people watching TV, I think of people who just literally sit down in front of the TV and like channel surf on cable and stuff, or like yeah. whatever. Watch all the networks. Like my like nothing against them. My parents right watch yeah. a lot of sports. Like just pretty much all you spend all evening watching sports. We're not really into sports like that. No. Or like watching the the ESPN shows and stuff, much less. Or like all the yeah, all the network TV. Like we don't watch any of that. No, I don't. We're, know. we're not, still relatively limited with our television diet. I would say. I would say so, and even the stuff on streaming, we don't get every time. No, because well, a lot of it's still bad. <laughs> Turns out a lot of it's still bad. But again, I, the way that streaming has somehow meant that there's like more money going around, but less money coming in, and takes a million years. And again, I, again, we've done this ad nauseum. Yeah, the whole thing's gonna collapse. I just want to watch these goddamn shows. Why does watch. everything need to take more than two years? I don't. I can't even. When was Invincible? Was it literally 2020? No, it's during COVID. I because I'm trying to think. Like we would have probably talked about it on the show otherwise. Yeah, because because that's it was... literally three years. That's like maybe the longest one I've ever even. Because I good I, grief. Because I because I remember because I watched the entirety of it right around the time that we started the show. It it happened right before we started. Because also maybe it was it was right it was the fall of twenty twenty into it, was it fall maybe it wasn't even fall of or it was summer it was because it was yeah, right maybe before. it was summer of twenty because I watched it with my mom hold on let's after we saw Black we Widow. have access <laughs> we, can, we have the we, technology we can just know no I, it was twenty one it was ramble. March of twenty one is when it started really? so but that's still well that's over during COVID. two years yeah. when it's gonna come back here so I mean it, it was released so I mean if you just count finishing wise sure. Still well over two years. Still well over two years. <laughs> we're still gonna we're gonna get our money's worth out of this. But yeah, so we'll we'll talk about that when it comes out. I and might read. We, I might read a hundred years for it. Might read them. I might read them all. I have once. I read them all first. That's right. After it came out, I was for Christmas that year. I asked for the Invincible Compendiums. I only have Animal. two. I only have two and three because the time one was. Because you're a madman. Well, because one because I couldn't find one because obviously everyone's buying one because that's yeah, what it yeah, covers. Yeah. So I just read one illegally online in scans, and then I bought two and three. Don't say that this is public record. They're no, but I bought us. two and three though, and They're I intend to us. buy one. Okay, uh, it's all under parity law. I'll say parity law, and I'll exonerate me. I don't think it is. Ah, whatever. No one knows what parity law is anyway. Uh, also, so, they did a special episode apparently. Yeah, for Adam Eve. Guess we'll watch that. Maybe Could, we'll talk about that. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun. What, was there anything else? Was there another trailer? <laughs> Some description? <sighs> I don't think so. Was there? I hope I don't not. Remember. If there is, I thought we watched something. No, I, I don't think. Maybe so. Maybe it's just the Adam Eve thing. I think it was. That was the second thing we watched. Because that was also a trailer. It's about our life. Was it the Meg 2? God. God almighty. I hope it wasn't the Meg 2. Oh, no. It was the game. We did watch the game. The trailer, yeah. Ugh, I can't believe they did that. Big, big uh, fucking mobile game. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. All right so we'll, Onwards and upwards. Onwards Higher, further, faster, baby. We'll like attack out of that into Sunny. Yes. Season finale of Sunny, episode 8. Dennis takes a mental health day. Um, this is mainly, mainly just a Dennis episode where love he takes that. a mental health day. Love Dennis. Uh, he's probably my favorite. I don't know if we've ever said that. Well, I love Charlie a lot, too, though. And, you know, Frank's good. 
No, my, I'm definitely going to stick to... I, I will uh, stick to my guns of Charlie. Okay, I, re- I really thought I could get you to, like, go... Well, actually, I like all, all six of them. I mean, I, I do. They're all funny. It's not... And there's certainly none... Not one of them who I would say I dislike. Yeah. I mean, we love this show. I love them all. Love they, them all it, it, they work as... I love them did. like they were my dysfunctional coworkers who I don't really like that much. I wouldn't like them if they're my coworkers. I'll tell you that much for free. Uh, yeah, that's true. I hate, hate them. They're the worst people ever. But I love this element of Dennis's character. Just the... Uh, unhinged rage that he's always just keeping some of the best episodes right yeah like um gang misses the boat gang misses the boat of course the gang gets wheels the gang um sweetie has a baby sweetie has a baby oh great stuff i like um what's what's the one where they have to get where he has to he's trying to get pills for frank is it is it they try to intervene frank i think it's the frank intervention one yes i think so that's when he tells D he's going to skin her. Oh, no, that's um, Psycho Pete Returns. It is Psycho Pete Returns. Because they're trying to get pills for Psycho Pete because he's a psycho. Good call. But actually, he just had depression. Good call. Um, What's the other? Oh, and then the, the gang tends bar. Gang tends bar. Or when um, the one where he goes back to his old fraternity. Yes, yeah, that's... Zaffin. Savages! Idiots! Idiots! Savages! Calm down, dude. <laughs> that's maybe the one of the first... That's the first time he really starts to break. Because even they're like, what are you doing? What's going on? But again, oh, it's just, again, these are the best Dennis moments. In Charlie work, which is Look really at, up there on the pantheon of all time. Like even that's just, he's just a tiny component of it. But it's when he scratches Mac. Like when you're talking to me. Look at me when you're talking to me. Oh, shit. The stakes are here. <laughs> the the ship. So that's, that's basically the premise of this whole thing. Yeah. He said he's like, I'm too stressed. I need to take a mental health day. And of course, he encounters... You and know, numerous amounts of stress. Only things which progressively stress him out to no end. But he's he's actually pretty... Re- he tries to be as reasonable as he can. More reasonable than Dennis usually is. Yeah, yeah, because he's trying. Yeah, he's trying to... Because he, he encounters a problem. He's like, no. At first, he almost doesn't get a car he wants, but it's it's instantly resolved. So he's like, oh, we double booked, but we'll upgrade you because it was our fault. Yeah, he's like, free, oh, free perfect. Upgrade. And he's like, oh, that's an app for the car because it's all fully electric. And he's like, oh, it, not the a- key. An app. A key. I have a lot of apps on my phone, but a key, you know, that's where time tested. And he's like, all right. And he's trying to drink this plant drink. Unclear of what this was. I think it has something to do with trying to lower his blood pressure, some kind of herbal remedy yeah. for that. And he wants a chaser, so he wants to buy some tea for it. A mixer, he says. Yeah, a mixer. Of course, that's the way they all describe it. Conceives. Like in the gang uh, Goes to Hell, the, the Diet Cola mixers. Drinking straight mixer. Pretty straight mixer? <laughs> I had a Diet Cola mixer a month ago. It was good. <laughs> um. And they also want him to pay with an app. And he always get he goes to like a bubble tea place, but he doesn't realize he doesn't actually want bubble tea. But they won't give him just the tea. He's like, wait, oh, the system doesn't allow us to just give you the tea. Which that's not real, but no, I mean, no, no place would only make you pay through an app. <laughs> Insane. Or like, there's no bubble tea place that doesn't let you just buy the the tea, tea. if you want. Of course, yeah, crazy. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. And he loses his phone because he has to buy two teas because of the credit minimum or whatever. So he puts his phone on top of his car, forgets about it, phone goes, disappears into the void somewhere, flies off his car, and then he doesn't have a key, he blows a red light because he can't find his phone, the, the the car gets locked, so he has to go get a new phone, and he can't get a new phone because he's not a new customer, so he can't buy the phones in the store, mm-hmm. uh, so he has to make a new plan, it's, it's a whole thing, and then he has to call customer service, which is the one of the best parts of it, well, second yeah, best kind part of, of his rage. culmination of it all is when he's like on this, like, uh... Long, Be, yeah, jerked around all these different, like, directed all this, like, phone tree of, like, well, no, you should call them. Actually, you should call them. Actually, you should probably call them. But it's just a loop because he gets sent loop, to the yeah. same three people, which, you know, love that. Very real thing. That's, and it's that's infinitely yeah, infuriating. That for sure. 
And then he finally gets to the customer care line. He's like, Daisy, my little wildflower. <laughs> this is this woman, Daisy. And he explains it all in the most insane way possible. And then he's like, oh, wait, this is made in America. Where is this company? He tracks it down. I don't know where he walks to. He, Evidently, he walks to wherever it is. He says he had it for six hours. So yeah. he walked at least five hours, which not that far, relatively. They must be in Philadelphia. They must be in Philadelphia, I guess. Yeah. yeah relatively. And he wants to meet with the CEO to personally... <laughs> kill him i guess well as it turns out and then the uh secretary woman there is, is obviously oh, very much unnerved by this behavior it's like oh he's at the beach right now he's like, he's like oh the beach which beach and then he goes and finds him and he has this very strange scene with with roxanne roxette roxette thank i guess it's a band i didn't even yeah i yeah. can't say I, I heard of them prior to this at first i thought he was wants the song roxanne which one the where you don't have to put on the red light yeah that, that one yeah and he goes rox Rocks and that's in um what's it called community i was gonna say oh, hold on maximum brain power being used here moulin rouge because you moulin rouge is a jukebox musical is it a musical moulin rouge absolutely yeah it's a jukebox I, musical and i so don't that, know what moulin rouge is you're missing out it's got what's his name in it our boy ewan mcgregor he's really good um but it's a jukebox musical where they kind of do variations on it so in that movie it's presented where he, the the one guy, the narcoleptic Argentinian, is like, "There's a there's a song they sing in the brothels of Buenos Aires, and it's just, it's just Roxanne, but it's like a tango Roxanne, That's the cool. tango Roxanne." But yeah, I thought I kind of thought that for a second too. But there's also the one by what's his name? Seal? No, not Seal. That's Kiss from a Rose. I know that. <laughs> Isn't that a, does that make an appearance in Sunny at one point? Uh, it makes it a Kiss from a Rose. Oh, it, oh, it does because when they give on um, Ben the Soldier the jean shorts, <laughs> and the gang wrestles the troops. That's it. That's it. Because she's Desert Rose. Rose, and they're gonna sing Rose. Hell yeah, Kiss from a Rose. God damn. Um, Arizona Zervis has a song called Roxanne as well. Arizona Zervis. I don't know who it is. What I just a know the fucking song. name. It's like Roxanne. That sounds like a name from Dune. <laughs> Roxanne. All she wanna do is party. Oh, I like that song. You uh, know that song too. Right? Yeah, that was my most played song on Spotify one year. <laughs> and you didn't even. I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. There it is. That one. That, one. that is a good song. I like that song too. Yeah, it's, it's a, sketchy. It's a banger. It's a bit of a banger. Um, but it's not that. It's the band Roxette. So it's not it's not anywhere near. Or it's Roxette or something. That's what I said. Roxette. I thought you said Roxanne again. Um, but he well, Dennis just merges them. He murders. He, reach, he, he reaches he, into his chest, chest and like pulls his heart fucking out. Temple of Doom and crushes it into a diamond. Because that's another thing. Yeah, the, the gang keeps calling the, him. The gang's B plot is that. They're pressure, pressure cooker shenanigans. They're asking if they're actually if they're above or below sea level because they think that if you cook use a pressure cooker below sea level, it'll explode. Yeah, they can't use it in a submarine. The navy uses pressure cookers, <laughs> and, and then Deejus says navy argument because clearly that's come up a couple times. <laughs> and then they start trying to cook coal into diamonds <laughs> with the pressure cooker. And uh, Charlie, the voice of reason, which is never a good sign, yeah. is like, "Why has no one ever thought of this before?" Yeah, yeah I wonder why. We'll be rich. <laughs> And then he eats the diamond, and we're like, what's going on? And then it turns out, the whole time, this whole episode has all been in his head as a way to physically lower his blood pressure in a less than a minute before this doctor's eyes. Like, sheer force of will. Yeah. The, the way he manages stress is apparently to concoct this horrible situation where his stress builds and builds, but he's able to, to take out this, you know, his revenge, to get this moment of catharsis by... Murdering a man by ripping his, his hands. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I'm a leave. And then as he walks out of the doctor's office, we see that every single person in the doctor's office is someone who's appeared at some point along his journey. Yeah, along the journey. Like a, them. a girl drinking bubble tea puts him in that. So, insane. One of the most insane dentist things ever. Very good. Um, I, th- I feel very appropriate, though. I, I think it's very funny that this is like, 
a culmination of his claims that he can like will his body to like do whatever. Apparently he can. Because I guess he can sickness be gone. Sickness be gone. Sickness be gone. And it's one of the other things that's fun about this is like this is an aspect of Glenn Howerton in real life with oh, yeah. the health stuff. He loves health I stuff. I think that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Listen, we've talked about how we don't listen to that podcast or anything really, and it's whatever. But if there's one thing that is, it's been good for for sure that I've even appreciated is that like it's it's shown in a lot of cases that almost all three of them have like aspects They're very much which are very much related to their characters. Each you might not have known otherwise. Yeah. I there's, wouldn't know. There's a fun little compilation that I watched that is oh, fun yeah? to watch, which is just like the them acting like their characters, and it's just clips from the podcast of them like being like, I don't know how this works, or. <laughs> Glenn being crazy or Rob just not listening. Yeah, or just something. Are, yeah, getting getting mad, getting mad for no reason. Um, but everybody needs conflict. No one's yeah, navigating like- conflict enough. You there, minimum wage employee, <laughs> you need more conflict in your life, don't we all? No, not at all. Isn't the whole point not to have any more conflict? I bet I he loves so. Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Rob McElhenney's a big Oppenheimer. It's like, man, that bomb really helped the, na- the world navigate conflict. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, good season. Um, what so, do you think? Yeah, season's over. Uh. A, a good season, a little rocky start, but even even with that, I remember we said I had hopes. Yeah, certainly weren't. We're not universally uh, incredible, but uh, nothing is. Nothing. And is, none yeah. of the listen again. I re- I just rewatched the whole season past month or two series. Series, I meant yeah, the whole thing. Even the best seasons of them, they have some. They not, have things you forget. There's episodes I'd rather like skip and stuff. So yeah. But yeah, so I think in that sense, it's it's pretty consistent with a lot of their output. Oh, for sure. What do you think the, uh, pull up here, what the best one of the season was? Probably the bowling one. I think our our Frank fights Russia or plays chess with Russia or something. That one's good too. That's gotta be the, what is it? Frank versus Russia. The gang inflates pretty good. Frank, she's every member of the gang. I I don't love. And I didn't love the gang gets cursed either. Yeah. Oh, actually, I think Celebrity Booze or Risky Rats. Yeah, the last four. Probably. Yeah, they're very solid. All very solid. You can pick the best. I'm going to go Risky Rats. I'm going to go Bowling. Okay, perfect. We were all in agreement. Good shit, though. Absolutely. Listen, at this point, I don't think they would. We've said this before, but I don't think they're going to lose us. So, no. I'm happy to be along for the ride. Perhaps that makes us not as impartial and maybe not as good as critics, but. Who cares? Who cares? That show's never been that critical about the things you like anyway, but it's if we don't like it, oh boy, we'll tear it to shreds. I really do th- think, though, that like this show is more consistently funny than like any other. Is there anything? Nothing compares to this. No, not really. Not, not I mean, it's the longest running sitcom ever, so it's yeah. got that going for it. I'm just obviously, like, it's, live action. it's got the juice to it. Yeah. yeah. Well, but even then, no one likes The Simpsons anymore, I guess. So I was talking about The Simpsons. The Simpsons? <laughs> I would never. What about Family Guy? No one, no one really likes Family Guy anymore either. So. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. Two more seasons and hopefully Dan DeVito can stick alive for a little bit longer. I honestly think, yeah, they might be, because they renewed them for that many out the gate there, I feel like that, that might be a sign that that's kind of what we're going to What stop. they're shooting for, which I think would be, I would, would be fine with at that point. Because yeah, like, I don't, I don't want them to drag 83 year old Dan DeVito around. Yeah. Yeah. Because he might not really be up to it. I mean, good stuff. So. Yeah, let's get a last topic here. Yeah, let's... <coughs> I really got a flashback there. That was weird. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, I was worried. Uh, okay, so Rebels Season 1. So, look at that. Finally watched Rebels. I found, I did the thing I do where I watch an entire show because I haven't watched it yet. But this time, instead of doing it week by week, I watched all of Rebels in about, uh, we'll call it nine days. Absurd. 
Or, no, there's no need to do this. But I did it. But here's the thing. Zach was bothering me going like, oh, oh Jack, we're going to make it. Oh, I'm so worried. I don't know why I made him Irish. Um, I'm so worried. Will you make it? And then I said, fear not. I'll do it in a week. And then he said, wait, but he, we got 40 days. And it's all or nothing with this guy. It's got to be. Because, again, we could have, like, you really could have taken your time more than that. I mean, I was worried that you were going to take your time too much. There was, like, several points where I was like, Jack, like, we're at the point now where you could, if, if you watch an episode every other day, you'd, you'd still finish in time. And then we got to a point where I was like, Jack, if you watch an episode a day, you'd be fine. And then I got to a point where I was like, right, well, if you watch, like, a whole season episode of- and a half a day, you know, you'd be fine. And then that's when you're, right around then is you're like, well, I'll just watch, what if I watched about 15 a day for a week straight? So, that's what you did. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. And for that, we were all the better. So I think Star Wars Rebels, genuinely, really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm a big fan of Star Wars Rebels. I, I've said before, I think it's one of the best Star Wars things. It might be. might be the best Star Wars show that exists. Even better than Andor? No, Andor's, Andor's really good. Yeah, I was going to say, I got you with the Andor. Not quite a fair comparison yet, I would say, just yeah. in the sense that Rebels is complete. Not and, that that's and really Andor Andor's will f- never be completed. God, I hope so. I really hope they figure it out. God. God listen. almighty. A24 figured it out. That's right. Disney, everyone, can you stop the AMPTP? Stop being such fucking assholes. I just love being an asshole. Makes my blood boil, Jack. Fills me with rage. Untethered like, rage. Gonna, yeah, I'm going to be untethered. There's no balance. You, you, you get it. Yeah, death destroy of worlds. But, um, yeah, it's it's very good. I think it's really good Star Wars stuff. I think there's a lot of really, like, solid execution on some of the, the core themes and ideas of Star Wars. It's got all of it. It's got good Jedi stuff. It's got good, like, pilot stuff. I like the ships and things, good Mandalorian stuff in this. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's super solid. So, glad you actually finally got around to it. And especially just because, not only do, you know, again, I think it's a really good show. So, I think it's cool that you watch it just because, you know, to enjoy it and whatnot. Yeah. But it really seems like it's going to be absolutely essential for Ahsoka. So, we can, the closer we get. So, I, yeah, right. so, we can, so, I don't, like, go over. Don't we figured every week we'll just, every week from now until... Yeah, yeah, we're Ahsoka. We're actually a month away exactly from recording at time of recording. Incredible. So we'll season one, obviously one, two, three, four, and then after that we'll start Ahsoka, and it'll be good. So, so really, I did, I did the right thing here. I did yeah, it the sure, right way. Fine. And but again, right you could have done those week. You could have watched the weeks when they. Uh, that's that's the thing. You didn't need to do it all. That. So I, I don't know how that works. Well, no. See, oh, I, oh well, I was gonna say, am I doing the right thing? I mean, it all worked out, happened to work out exactly perfectly. Sure. When in reality, I could have watched it at any point in the last, ooh, what is it, end in 2017? <laughs> well, sure. I would say I really started... Getting on my case. Getting on your case about it, like, probably, well, probably around when we started the show, honestly. Because at one point, I had aspirations of you finishing before, like... The Mandalorian, the Mandalorian season, season three. three. But then I watched the Trial of Darksaber, you so did. I got I know, I know, I know. But, uh, but, um, yeah, okay, so season one. So, yeah, so I will say about this season, one of my... um worries going in is that there'd be a lot of uh, in season one of like building up the crew like oh Ezra's got to get used to everybody in the crew it'll be a long kind of drawn out thing throughout the season I'm glad it really wasn't there's really like uh, first two or so three maybe episodes where he has to like be like oh I'm new and plucky and I gotta get to know everyone Mm -hmm. individually they kind of do it quick and they kind of get into it which I mean Ezra's very he's a bit of like an archetype right yeah he's very uh He's the he's space Aladdin, right? Yeah, oh, beginning very much so. But yeah, I think he's pretty good. I mean, that's one of the strengths of this show for sure is the characters. I think, and it's one of the things it has over something like the Clone Wars, which is at the end of the day, 
more or less an anthology. As the show went on, I would say less anthology. Yeah, more, but more Ahsoka show. Ahsoka, Anakin, Obi-Wan show. Yeah, Ahsoka, Anakin, Obi-Wan. But um, this show is not that... Like, every episode, basically, is focusing on our main uh, crew here. And it's yeah, it's cool. Heroes. The ghost crew is, is it's really good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is the introduction. It's pretty good, right? I like the... Towards the end, I like the Kanan moment. Oh, yeah. What's the, what do they call it? Something about the secret or whatever. They yeah. have like a code name for it, don't they? I don't remember. Fuck. And I just watched it. Yeah, I know. That's why. So you're supposed to weigh in on here. Um, in the last, in the end of the season, the code name. Oh, Spectre. No, no, no. Um, in in this first in the premiere here, Kanan pulls a move where he takes out his lightsaber. Oh, it's um. Oh yeah, it's some. It's like twenty two or yeah, something it's like, like a, that. Yeah. And the whole episode, Ezra's like, what's the plan? What is that? What are you, when are you going to let me in on the secret? And he's like, kid, I'm letting everyone in on the secret. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. A 22, 22 pickup. Pick and he's like, what's a 22 pickup? They're all like, what do you do? What do you mean? And then he does. He pulls out his lightsaber and does it. And it's sick. Love this part. He like dodges a, he literally dodges a blaster, I guess, because Jedi. Of course, you can <laughs> love see him. it. Kanan Jars, one of my favorite Star Wars characters all time. Absolutely love him. Um, he was marketed Part of this coming out by Filoni is like the is the uh, cowboy Jedi, and he's got that going for him for sure. He's got the gun. He's got a gun. I, I love listen. Love a Jedi in this era with a gun. I love a Jedi in this era with like some practical clothing and a lightsaber and just a, having a blast. Yeah, he keeps it apart so you can't tell what it is. Super cool. I love yeah. this guy. Um, and you know I know people kind of like are tired of this archetype in Star Wars to an extent, the the Order sixty six survivor, survivor. But I say screw them because I love it. I love him. Love a Jedi. Him, Cal Custis, like they're literally some of my favorites. So mm. sick. Yeah, very He's great. Stuff. And he takes on Ezra as his apprentice, right? And they, Ezra's got the force. Yeah. And they move. I was surprised. They do move things along pretty quickly because that was my thing. I'm like, oh, am I going to have to see like kid discover his Jedi powers over a whole season again? Yeah. He's got to build his lightsaber again. Like I got to do like all this stuff they like keep like they've shown before. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad they're like, all right, well, he does a little Jedi temple stuff. He gets a Kaiba crystal because he. Kyber, Kyber crystal because he does a trial and then he's like all right and then he builds lifesaver off screen because it's like we don't need to see if someone build their lightsaber again it's, yeah, yeah it's it's a thing they, they constantly do so and even I, I like when this show came out i remember and a lot of people were in this boat um it's like a very common on common on common phenomenon I've, I've heard of in the community like this first season did not appeal to a lot of people um because it is a little more child friendly especially in the first season compared to say the clone wars and it's got a you know the art style is, is a barrier for some people thin lightsabers the thin lightsabers jack hates the thin lightsabers i do um and i think i i remember at the time also being in that group who was like yeah i don't know if i want a story about jedi in this era i i was honestly on that kind of route of like mm-hmm. yeah do we need more jedi survivors like that's such a i don't know it's just a it's a bigger sell than you know some other stuff but i think as the series goes on that that ends up being like the best stuff is the Jedi stuff. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the main villain of this season is the Grand Inquisitor. These mm-hmm. are that's our introduction to the concept of Inquisitors, correct? Um, they existed in Legends, but oh, yeah. this is the first time in canon. Canon, they have existed, and even in Legends, it was just you know in books and stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, we get then just to Asian Callus. He becomes he, he fucking kills that guy. Yeah, gets me every time. Yeah, I was surprised. <laughs> like, Damn, I mean they kill a lot of stormtroopers and they're just straight up. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, Callus is like our secondary antagonist he's a great character goes yeah. on to be uh, be surprised less longer than the grand inquisitor oh, of course he does yeah yeah uh i do think the grand inquisitor is a good villain for while he's around right mm-hmm. yeah i 
like when he tricks him with the body of Luminara. Yeah, that's that's pretty dark. Again, like this first season is a little more kid friendly, but that's 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 pretty dark. That's like pretty soon. Episode five is yeah, like yeah. that shit out. They have Luminara's like corpse in a box to they... trick Jedi. Wild. That's wild. Absolutely crazy. Um, what about the rest of the crew? Uh I like S- Sabine. I had heard she's pretty undeveloped in the first she season. She is. I had heard and this is I'll just say it's like a general thing, because I watched because, you know, I'm crazy. I watched some, like, review of Rebels, having never seen it years ago from oh, yeah. Cosmonaut Variety Hour. Oh, yeah. He's um, not a big fan. No, he's not. And he was, he maybe unduly influenced my thoughts on, like, um, Sabine, at least, because he was like, yeah, she just kind of, she's like a Mary Sue. She kind of does whatever. And I'm like, oh, I guess if she's, like, all this stuff. Like, he, like, he, like, rattled on her resume. And it's like, not really, though. She's just kind of, like. That's just Star Wars, though. Yeah, Everyone Star in Star Wars. Wars can fly and shoot and hack and yeah. stuff. I mean, Din was almost like that too, but you know they ruined him. Uh, the one part I, I that's the one part I really focused on with that having known is in Out of the Darkness episode seven, uh-huh. where she's like, "Who's Fulcrum? Tell me who Fulcrum is. I want to know." The Empire did this too, you know. And it's like this is the first time we're getting this character, and she's like really like this. Like I didn't love that, but that's not something they really go into too much. Well, and the thing is. I mean, she's a teenage girl. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, it, it's she, it's the only time she's really liked that. Yeah. And as the series goes on, for sure, I don't even remember if he watched the whole thing or not. But she has very, very obvious like flaws and, and struggles and stuff. Yeah, and with her character, even so. Hera's like, even she trusts Hera at the end of that episode. Like, it, it gets resolved relatively quickly. I really don't mind. Um, uh, we got Hera. She's team mom. No, Hera. You got love Hera. She's Hera's cool. great. Yeah, she's, she's really the, great. I always love the great pilot. Because so you're flying around the cool ships. You can't yeah. go wrong with that. Um, the Ghost is awesome. Great design. Very cool ship. It's like, it's maybe better than the Millennium Falcon. I think the fact that they get an extra little ship on the back, very cool. And I can't say that Harrison Ford is inferior to Eldon, whatever the hell his name is. Listen, you're allowed to say that. I don't even know. I, I don't even feel that strongly about it. I just, I always say that, well, mostly just for the, the bit of it. The bit. Hell yeah, but, we'll have fun. But I think, I think more people would feel strongly about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's Harrison Ford. I mean. But I don't care. But yeah, I love the ghost. Again, I really believe that. Like the, I love having the extra ship. I think that's very cool. Oh yeah, a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, she's awesome. I mean, we you were actually exposed to her first in what's it called, the Bad Batch, which actually like chronologically works out. Same with yeah. Kanan, though, for that matter. That's true. And he's a little little Caleb. Uh, but yeah, she's great. I think this first season has those seeds though of uh their relationship. Yeah, scattered throughout, especially when you know it. Because I was recently rewatching Rebels, or I'm in the process of, and it was always kind of a thing where it's like, what's going on there? But especially when it, you know, because we do know it, it does culminate. And then having, yeah, that uh, when you see it, it's like, oh, yeah, it's it's there the whole time. Yeah, the thing is, it's just not focusing on it because they're well, they're, they're busy and they're yeah. adults, and it's just it's they're not just like, a thing. oh my gosh, my love for you. Yeah, yeah, they're just busy adults. Like yeah. they got shit going on. Yeah, they gotta fight the Empire. And then Zeb. Zeb's got a very, like, tragic backstory, eh? Yeah, he gets fucking genocided. His people were genocided by the Empire. That's yeah. rough, man. He's a bit of a goober. He's the muscle, but he's also goober. And he's, it's like, um, there's a word for that kind of character. He's, like, really strong and the strongest of the group, but he yeah. always has to lose to throw the threat of the villain. Oh, okay. Something like that. I think um, the Klingon guy from Star Trek. Orf. Orf. He often falls into this. I think it might be named after him. Oh, okay. But I'm not entirely sure. But I like Seb. Seb, uh, it's weird to think because his eyes are completely green, like sure. all of like the whole like, yeah. virus. I'm like, oh, it's it's like inanimate. I'm like, oh, but like in real life, like that'd be horrifying to look at. All green. Well, we eyes. saw him in a. All right, he is in real. I didn't notice his eyes then. 
it didn't yeah it didn't stand out as being weird i think i think if the, anyone's live action eyes are a little funky as Hera's. yeah that's true but i think her her everything about her is really funky in live action yeah <laughs> i think her i think her tails are like too fucking big in her head she looks kind of like they, chalky they, for some reason they fucking cat bane the shit out of her man they they did Listen, it to her we don't need to get into it we'll get yet. into it plenty in three weeks uh we get lando just Billy we do get Lando. Just doing it. <laughs> that was fun. great. I was like, Lando's here. Idiots, Ray. Do we, we get Hondo in this as well? No, that's next that's season. That's next season. Uh, I've got to go. We get. We also get Ezra's tragic backstory. Parents dead. Rough. He's gotta be dead. He's born on Empire Day. He's like that was virtually the same age as uh, the Empire. Well, Luke and Leia. Oh, yeah, he would be. Because they were also almost born on Empire I guess they would be born a couple days after Empire Day. Or who knows how long. The timeline of... Of uh, Revenge of the Sith is like famously <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, well, it's it's the, it's just the the object of much debate. But uh, yeah, I, I I love the the Jedi Temple episode. We get to talk to Yoda. They talk to Yoda. How do you think of Yoda? P- people famously like think he looks very weird in this, and he does. But I also don't think it's like I don't know. He looks like Yoda should look in the art style. I guess it never yeah. like well, Yoda upset always looks me. weird. He's a weird little man. He's not any worse than he looks in Episode One as a puppet. Yeah. He's he's kind of a weird little gross guy. Like, he's a gr- depending on the adaptation stuff, he's often made to look kind of cute or whatever. But he's really not. He's a wrinkly old green guy. Yeah, he's, he's a little goblin man. He's a right? goblin man. He's got big old ears and his <laughs> hair all over like, the place. Come on, but uh, that's all right. He's great. I, Love Yoda. I do like uh, how in that when they're like the uh, canon's like, oh, do or do not. There's no try. And he's just like, what the fuck are you? What does it even mean? He goes, I don't know. Yoda just said that to me. <laughs> you gotta set it all the time. I don't know. know. I don't. I think it's. I think it's kind of bullshit. And they're like, oh wait, no, it's not. It's. I love that they both have to learn that, learn a thing. Oh yeah, Kanan asks because it's a big thing. You know, it's it's the classic thing. Like Kanan learns as much from Ezra as Ezra. he teaches him. I think, which mm-hmm. is always great, and their their relationship's super cool. And yeah, he's you know he has to learn like because he doesn't think of himself as being capable of being a master, especially because at this point he's not like doesn't even think of himself as a knight barely. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. I like I like the way that develops and stuff. Uh, and then and the, the Inquisitor's fucking finale, dies. basically. Yeah, so the Grand Inquisitor is killed. I love this scene. I know you said, like, you know, it does kind of, like, weaken him as in a... Well, I mean, in the sense that he literally dies. And also, throughout the season, he doesn't really... Do much. Do a whole hell of a ton. Mm-hmm. But I like this. I like that scene a lot. Again, Kanan is just real good at being a Jedi. He's, like, right up there. Oh, yeah. I mean, he survived this long mm-hmm. from, like, as a kid. Well, yeah, I mean, like, he's obviously, like, a badass or whatever, but I just meant ideologically. Oh, yeah. Like, he he's really it. got it down. He's very he much it, a Qui-Gon yeah. era. Love that shit. Absolutely love that. Because he's all, like... He, 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 he like, I mean, obviously, it visually mirrors Anakin and Dooku, and he's like, nope, yeah. not going to do it. He doesn't do it. That's great. And then I love that line where he's, like... Worst things in death. Well, they're both of them, though. But earlier in the fight, he, was, the Inquisitor's like, oh, now you don't have anyone to die for you. And he's like, no. Now I have nothing left to fear. Yeah. Love that. Because it's fear. It always comes back to fear for Jedi. Yeah. So he's not afraid. That's that's why he wins. He's he's stronger. He's more at peace. Love that. I love that with... Yes. It's incredible. Like, that's a really good, to me, like, distillation of the Jedi philosophy. He's not more badass because he, like, got angry or he's, like, tough or anything. He's he's stronger because he's at peace. Yeah. He's not afraid. He doesn't fight anything. He accepts things as they happen. That's just... Chef's but kiss. the gray Jedi. Yeah, get out of here with your gray Jedi. Get out of here with your like. No, Star Killer's cool because he's he's both. He killed yeah. what's her face, Shock T. He killed Shock T like twice, maybe. <laughs> How many times did Shock T die? A hundred thousand times. A million times. They just can't stop killing Shock T. Yeah, I love this. And then yeah, 
He's and then he went and then he defeats his enemy and he's gonna help his fallen enemy because he's a fucking badass. Yeah, he's he, a Jedi. Oh. he has no enemy. Oh, he's great. And then he's like, then Grand Inquisitor's just like, Nah, I'm out of here. <laughs> Think I'm gonna let Vader come and get me? <laughs> no way, bro. There, there are things far more frightening than death. <laughs> and then he just kills him. He just lets go. And then in the end, he gets to go back to the temple and be like a ghost. He gets. Do you know the? You you would know this. The ultimate fate of the Grand Inquisitor. I don't know what that's about. Right. That scene I find difficult personally. And you're referring to season two, getting ahead of ourselves a little here. That's fine. It's um, the end of season one, so. Which is interesting. I like that scene a lot and, and the implications therein. But his ultimate fate is that Darth Vader traps his, like, gets his soul, his force soul, I don't know how, and then traps him in his castle to, like, guard the castle for all time. <laughs> and the Inquisitor's like, no, please. <laughs> oh, I guess, man, man, that line doesn't work as well. He's like, but, I, but I'm dead. He's like, yeah, remember? Darth Vader still gets his ass? Damn. That's a Ralph, right? He's really got that dog in him. <laughs> yeah, we really need a Darth Vader movie where he traps a man's soul <laughs> in fucking in a castle. Yep, yep. He's like, I think you're gonna stay here and guard my castle or whatever. And he's like, Please no, please let me die. I want to be dead. One thing I I found interesting I don't belong here. is how the Empire hates the Force so much. Yeah, yeah. Because they're just like, I hate your Force, you stupid Inquisitor. He goes, No, no, I feel it. They're here, um, and you would. Again, I mean, we see that that's very, uh, you know, in line with the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Everyone's all like, your stupid force, Darth Vader. Stupid religion. Your fucking dedication to that ancient religion has, well, what's the line? Cla- it's very wordy. Has Cla- neither granted you the power to stop them or clairvoyance to know where the plans are, whatever he says. And then mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I'm going to choke you, bitch. Yeah. Isn't the idea at the beginning that they don't believe in it at all? Most of them don't. Yeah, like original. I mean, even Tark, is it Tarkin is like your sad devotion to that ancient religion or whatever? They all are like... Yeah, looking down yeah Tarkin hates it. it. Tarkin shows up in this. That's fun. Yep, yep, Tarkin. He's the worst. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's, at he's this smart. point, he's governor of the Outer Rim, and so they have Tarkin towns, which are like Hoover towns kind of thing. I think that's fun. That's yeah. a fun detail. And he's like, of course, he's even worse, because the only thing worse than an, em- than an Empire person is a smart one, like Thrawn and Vader and Tarkin, who are like, no, I'm evil, but I'm not like an incompetent buffoon. That's exactly I'm it. I'm going to yeah. effectively use the power to like draw rebels out and like feed on them. Because a lot of them are some mix of incompetent or so like self-serving that they're not actually Effective. as much of a threat to the actual like good guys as they ought to be and then yeah every so often they are and yeah, then Thrawn's like hmm what if I was like space Napoleon yeah, <laughs> yeah. space Napoleon to serve space Hitler like space Sherlock Holmes <laughs> yeah. I just know everything I'm so good it's almost unreasonable how good I am it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's almost like space Michael I always Napoleon. win as per the demands of the plot yeah hmm well We'll get into that next season. Not quite. I mean, after that. No Thrawn yet, but yeah. Um, season two. Season two. But yeah, pretty good. Only season. gets better from here, I think. Yeah, I think so. Again, I don't even like, a lot of people are like, oh, season one, you kind of slog. And I guess it is, but I, I actually. I, didn't, I, I enjoyed it. Like I said, I, I, did, I don't know if I really finished that thought, but like when it first came out, I didn't watch it. And then myself, like a lot of people, um, with the Ahsoka reveal, oh, we didn't, so the Ahsoka. Oh reveal, right, yeah, I forgot. The at vi- the end of season one, it's revealed that Fulcrum the whole time has been Ahsoka, which at the time was huge because we didn't even have like season, season seven. seven, so it was really like up in the air. What the hell happened to Ahsoka Tano? So for him to show up and be like, "I'm a rebel," it was like, "Oh, this is awesome." I was like, "Well, I gotta watch it now," and then I did, and I was like, "Oh, this actually is really cool." Yeah, like uh, like Invincible with the Omni Man reveal. It's like a little slow at first, and it's like, well, no, it's. We're going to do something good here going forward. Not that she necessarily becomes a, you know, integral part of the show necessarily or anything for reasons we'll get into for sure. But, uh, yeah, she's cool. Love Soka. Yeah, I mean, you can't I mean, it's a Dave Filoni joint, so. 
He's, I mean, he's going to put Ahsoka in it. Was, was Ahsoka Tano not going to be in it? But was, this was this is not at the point where this was a known like trend, so no, no one could have put it. Well, this was it. the only second thing. Yeah. I mean, he was still two for two at this point. So. That's true. But like now, if, if there yeah, was yeah. like, Dave, I'm running this show. It's like, all right, bring out Ahsoka. Right. All right, come on. The real test is going to be if he does like an older public thing, he's going to be like, <laughs> when, how's Ahsoka going to pull through time again? Yeah, yeah. But that's, that's for season four. That's right. Don't get ahead of yourself. I won't. All right, so you think we're probably mm-hmm. anything more? We're probably just spoiled. So probably I can take out of that into the end here. Uh, so as always, thanks so much for listening. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your enemies, tell anyone, please. Uh, as always, you can find us on social media on at Twitter at architectjazz at gmail dot. Nope, I'm sorry, that's our Gmail. Architectjazz@gmail.com is our Gmail. Our Twitter is just architectjazz. That's J A Z. Our Instagram is the architect podcast, all lowercase. Uh, our logo is done by a friend of the show, Jeffrey Gonzalez. You can always find him at inkocean.jpg on Instagram or on Redbubble. Our logo, our intro was done by Celery Salt. You can find him on Spotify and Instagram and SoundCloud with his music. And as always, we wrote it, we produced it, we built all the sets. Say goodnight to the people, Zach. Good night. Good night and Godspeed.